Kaiju Transmissions Podcast. I'm Kyle Bird. I'm Matt Parmley. And we are joined by uh, a friend of ours who is no stranger. Um, Tom, say hello. Woo, what up? And uh, people can also hear you talk about Dragon Ball a lot on your podcast. The Final Forum podcast. How's that? What What do you got going on over there uh, these days? Ooh, right around now on Final Forum, we are in the midst of the Demon King Piccolo saga and breaking that all down. So we are going to be talking about, um, you know, where things like the evil containment wave come from and the etymology behind that. When we get into talking about Demon King Piccolo himself. Actually, there's a kind of an interesting thing that actually ties into a topic you guys have covered before on Kaiju Transmissions, where in the manga, Demon King Piccolo is drawn with only four fingers. And when they exported it to anime, they decided to draw him with with five fingers. And it's never been confirmed really one way or another, but the popular theory is that the anime team shied away from missing digits on a finger because they wanted to avoid any potential uh, accusations or inclinations or whatever that they were referencing Barakumin at all in any way whatsoever. And so then we're going to have an episode talking about the Barakumin. All right. Yeah, we uh, we went into that subject pretty hard on the half human episode. There's some yeah, and we we get it. We I borrowed a lot from I think what you guys did, and you know then just kind of went and looked up the same probably sources and stuff that you guys used, and uh, we just talked about it on our podcast because I thought it was a very interesting piece of discussion. You know, it's <laughs> not the most pleasant topic, but <laughs> it's not. It's so interesting, though, how it's like it's such a weird thing of how si- like mainstream Japan is is simultaneously super comfortable with like pushing them down, but also not like depicting that they do. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, for real. Um so uh we are here to talk about um monarch 
Legacy of Monsters, the new MonsterVerse series on Apple TV. Um, and uh, this is, I don't know, this is going to be, I think at the end of the discussion, we're all going to be on a very similar page, but in what I've, just how we've all talked about it throughout this, the course of watching this season of TV, it sounds like there's going to be different reasons for it. Um, and uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to to uh, to kind of getting into that. Um, so what is Monarch? Why is Monarch? All of that. Uh, so, so like I said, so this is, uh, <laughs> Apple TVs, uh, um, I guess this is, this is Legendary's, I guess, attempt to make, uh, the MonsterVerse into, you know, the, you're, you know, kind of getting in on that prestige streaming TV, uh, bandwagon, um, it's a and, further attempt to make this a transmedia. Yeah, and right? um, and and you've, you've had comics, you've had movies, you've had toys. Really, all you're missing are games, which they've had mobile games. Um, but you you haven't you you're missing like console or computer like video like real video games, and TV is essentially all that the monster verse has been missing. Yeah. Um and it, and it's it's interesting because I think um we look at what we have here and just also just how how what we've had in the years since which is um uh a lot. Um and if if you think back to I think it was 2018 2017 maybe whenever they they said hey not only do we have Godzilla but all these other monsters are in the Godzilla sequel and we're and, and then we got Kong and they're going to cross over that's when they kind of branded this as the monster That would have been first. like 16 17 somewhere in that yeah. range cuz Skull Island was 2017. Yeah, yeah. So it was probably around, yeah. And and so, you know, that was like big news. Oh, they got a few more Toho monsters and they got King Kong. And then that's when they said, we are, you know, we're a cinematic universe. We're the MonsterVerse. And I don't know where you guys, uh, where your guys' heads went. And I don't know, there's... No, yeah, I guess I, I yeah, with I don't I think this is like right before we started the podcast probably. So I don't I don't think you could go back and hear what we might have thought. But to me that sure? always kind of said we want to build we we want to be a, a monster version of Marvel. And to me that that doesn't just mean you're going to do Godzilla, you're going to do Kong. To me, that always the intent was kind of there to say, like, we're going to branch out and do other things that just take place in this universe. Um, the reason I say that is because um, to understand what this show is, you kind of need to understand what that even, the MonsterVerse even really is in reality. And yes, Godzilla is talked about. And he shows up a couple times, but th this isn't a Godzilla show or a Kong show or a Mothra show or whatever. It is a monarch show. 
Um, and to me, that is also legendary saying like, hey, we want to put our foot forward to a point where we might want to make a movie or a show without any of these characters that other people own. You know, t- to me, that's what um, the monster verse wants to be. Whether box office wise, popularity wise, <laughs> whatever, it's going to get to that point. The, to me, this show is kind of the first sort of swing into that territory of how are we? How can we start crafting something where we're not relying on these IPs that we're basically borrowing? Um, I think if they had the guarantee that it would be profitable, they would probably do stuff without Godzilla and Kong. Um, I don't think they'll ever get there because, I mean, now I'm going on a tangent, but the the the, the, <laughs> the monster verse itself is at the point where it it makes it brings in so much money in merch and merch sales and merch tie-ins that the movies themselves don't have to do all that well because they clean up in that market. Mm-hmm. And all I don't know. All they have to do is keep the brand relevant. Yeah. And, and, and all they exist for it. And, and that's a, that's a corner that maybe they have or haven't painted themselves into, but what is, I, I do know that, you know, if they lose Godzilla or Kong or whatever, and they try, you know, they're not gonna, they're not gonna make billions in, uh, what what's one of these dumb things? Frostvark, <laughs> <laughs> Frostvark figures, or what? Bramble Bramble Boar, whatever, whatever these yeah. these these original monsters are. Anyway, the reason I bring that up is is just I I don't know. We're getting way ahead of ourselves, but I do want to talk about there. There is a weird disconnect between critics and average TV viewers and this show with Godzilla fans. Like it it seems like normies are more accepting of it than Godzilla fans. And Wait, I think part of that is that. Yeah, I, I I think part of that is because I don't know, there's always a little bit of that. Where is Godzilla? Why are so many people talking whatever? But I do th- I do think you know, it when you look at okay, Godzilla fans, what do you want to see in the next MonsterVerse movie, whatever? It's never like it's always like, oh, I want to see Destroyer. I want to see Space Godzilla. I want to see XYZ that we've seen a million times. And I will give Legendary some credit. And I mean, I'm sure part of this is just because they don't want to fork over all that money for any of those characters. You know, the next movie is Godzilla and Kong fighting, you know, two new monsters. And, um, you know, th- that, that, that's the way it's going to be. Part of the reason why... Because I, I feel like even I almost sometimes fall into that trap of like, oh, what would you want to see in the next MonsterVerse? And I start thinking things like, I feel like Biollante and Hedera would be really cool with modern effects because you could do you know, something really crazy with them, um, especially like Hedera. And, you know, that like I start thinking down. The, and that's because we all do. of the <laughs> – it's because of the um, – like you said, it's because of the corner that Legendary either intentionally or unintentionally has painted themselves into, and it's I they don't ever have any characters from thing to thing that we follow that we care about. Yeah, 
Um, Even even if you individually on your own are a person who really likes Madison Russell or um, Bill Randa, like the John Goodman version, or um, Bernie, or um, I can't ever remember um, John C. Riley's character's name. Marlo. Um, Marlo. Uh, or if you even like Ford, like if you even if you like those characters, even on the rare occasion that they do come back, they're not fully realized characters in the thing they come back in. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Madison Russell is very, very pushed towards the background in Godzilla versus Kong. And don't forget uh, Sarazawa and. Um... Sally Hawkins in in King of the Monsters and basically just getting fridged or yeah or how um the one guy that's uh the Miles Dyson actor from Terminator is supposed <laughs> to be the same character that Corey Hawkins played in Skull Island but like yeah. like yeah stuff like that um yeah so well, yeah like, i mean there's like, there's definitely you, know, you know it's kind of like because it's if you ask me, hey, what do you want to see from like the next now right now? I don't know what my answer would be, but if you had asked me, hey, what do you want to see from Halloween Ends, right? I'd be like, well, you know, like finally move past Laurie Strode, and that, that you could have come up with some things because they built those characters and they used them and things like. But it's like if you ask me what I want to see in. Godzilla Kong is that is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. The X is silent. Godzilla yeah. Kong: The New Empire, which is the worst title, by the yeah. way. Yeah, <laughs> but if you ask me what I want to see from that, I don't know. Like I like some cool fighting or something because <laughs> because there's there's no characters that you care about. Yeah. Um, so that's they've painted themselves into that corner a little bit, right? Yeah. And the fandom just wanting to see destroyer space Godzilla or whatever, because, and if they took advantage of the quote unquote universe model, you know, that Marvel does or whatever, we, in whatever form, um, I don't think we would, be going into this being like, oh, I'm going to watch the Godzilla show and then realize Godzilla has nothing to <laughs> nothing to do with it. <laughs> so so um, it, it's it's uh, and, and yeah, I mean, when it gets into continuity, guys, and making a coherent universe, we'll have a whole thing about that um, later. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're kind of jumping the gun a bit. But that is to say I, you know, I was thinking about this, like, how, how do you, how would I explain this show to someone who knows nothing about Godzilla? Uh, um, and I had a similar moment at work. Um, one of my coworkers was like, hey, I saw there's this Godzilla show. And I had to be like, it's not a Godzilla show. It, in, it, it, and, and even in like, in the past week, like in prep for this, I was like looking at interviews with the showrunners and the cast and stuff. And even a lot of them kind of don't like to use, I've noticed, the word like God, this is, this is the Godzilla show. Um, and, um, 
So I would say this is a spin-off of the MonsterVerse. And I would like leave it at that. Um and uh, you know, I know Godzilla's been used in a lot and you know, I mean they've shown him in the trailers and I, I know there's the one poster that like the green poster with him on it, but I this is a Godzilla show. I'll put it this way. This is a Godzilla show in the same way Zone Fighter is a Godzilla show. <laughs> it's like in a universe where Godzilla exists and he shows up sometimes, but it's a show about monarch. And I, you notice Godzilla's missing from the title, and I think that's very intentional and, and almost a bold swing because a lot of people don't know what Monarch is, and it's, it would be very tempting to be like, oh, let's say it's Godzilla because then it's recognizable. So, again, this is, this is, also, this is both the fans and the, the studio's fault, and we've talked about kind of why. It's the studio's fault, um, and why it's the fans' fault. Um, but anyway, uh, so this show uh, is um, the showrunners are Chris Black and Matt Shackman. Um, Chris Black uh, has been around a long time, um, and he's uh, he's he's written for a lot of shows like Severance, Invincible. Um, uh, uh, going back to Star Trek Enterprise, um, uh, he's produced uh, on Mad Men, uh, again, Severance, uh, going way back, if you remember Sliders, um, Star Trek Enterprise, Desperate Housewives, um, he's been around a long time. Matt Shackman is more of a comic book uh, guy, um, <clears throat> or I'm sorry, Matt Shackman is the director of many of these episodes. Matt Fraction is the other showrunner. He's more, he's, he's almost exclusively a comic book guy. Um, I think this is the first show he's been this involved in, um, but very popular. I know Trev's a fan of his comics, but he's written a ton of, a lot of Marvel stuff, X-Men, um, Punisher, Thor, Iron Man, um, some indie stuff too. Uh, I know the series Sex Criminals uh, from I or not IDW from Image from him is really popular. Um, the Hawkeye run that the Hawkeye show was based on is like one of his most beloved uh, Marvel uh, books. Um, Matt Shackman has uh, he directed um, two episodes of Monarch, but. Uh, since he directed uh, the first episode, he kind of like sets the tone for the rest of the show. But he 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 directed all of WandaVision, which is probably his big thing, um, and uh, he's also directed everything from uh, It's Always Sunny to Game of Thrones. He actually did some of the best uh, Game of Thrones um, stuff to come out of season seven, even though <laughs> that season was awful. Um, Fargo, Mad Men, so. A lot of TV folks, and then you know you look at the writing and directing credits of everyone else, and you know no slight against them, but they're workmen like TV folks. Um, uh, and Matt Shackman is also doing the upcoming Fantastic Four movie. I mean, that's that's every show does that, though, yeah, right. I mean, that's that's I wouldn't say that's a. I'd say that they got two guys as accomplished as black and shackman and is is actually um 
kind of a, a coup or a, a, a like a bigger get. Right? Yeah, they have are, very extensive uh, like backgrounds. Right. These um, are these are guys that have been around, that have done some things, that have worked on some high profile shows, that have had some success. This isn't like this isn't like um, I don't I don't remember who the Halo franchise like I don't remember who the guys were. But like the Halo show, I I remember like looking it up and these guys like the most accomplished person associated with that entire Halo show was like the cinematographer had also done cinematography for Lars von Trier. <laughs> and like that was it. Everyone else was like was like some schmo that had done like a Mortal Kombat movie, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Um so uh I'll read the official the synopsis from the official press release, just to hammer home the kind of show this is. Following the thunderous battle between Godzilla and the title bleh, Titans that leveled San Francisco and the shocking revelation that monsters are real, Monarch Legacy of Monsters tracks two siblings following in their father's footsteps to uncover their family's connection to the secretive organization known as Monarch. Clues lead them into the world of monsters and ultimately down the rabbit hole to Army Officer Lee Shaw, played by Kurt and Wyatt Russell, taking place in the 50s and a half century later, where Monarch is threatened by what Shaw knows. The dramatic saga spanning three generations reveals buried secrets and the ways that epic earth-shattering events can reverberate throughout our lives. Um, And you know what? That's a fairly accurate synopsis. Godzilla is only mentioned once, <laughs> um, and it, it's kind of saying this. This is about these people discovering these family connections to this organization, um, and we will talk about the pros and cons of that pitch. Um, but uh, yeah, just a couple things I have before we kind of get into that and start unpacking this whole thing. Um, just some things uh, I have just about the, I guess, concept. Um, uh, I have a quote from Matt Black saying, uh, this really isn't a show about monsters. It's a show about people who happen to live in a world where monsters are real. Um, Is that Chris Black or Matt Shackman? Because you just said Matt Black. Oh, I don't know who Matt Black is. So that's Chris Black. Okay. (laughs) And then Matt Fraction said... um, we didn't make a Godzilla show. We wanted to make a series that's lived in that world. People go to see Godzilla movies to see Godzilla, but we knew we couldn't compete with that spectacle, and we, so we weren't trying to try. For the record, this whole season has the budget of half of one of the MonsterVerse movies. Um, so that also explains, uh, you know... Some things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> We wanted to build a show that lives in the, the world where Godzilla's real and the monsters are real, but, but, what, uh, but now what? So it's not a 9-11 show. What he means is it's not a show about the big spectacle. He says it's a 9-12 show. Uh, the movies are where the buildings get knocked down. The show is where you, get, you see people get up again, dust themselves off, and figure out what does my life mean now when the world has changed entirely. Um, so if anyone's listening to this that hasn't watched the show, the last like 10 minutes like are basically prepping you to like understand what you're really getting into. Um, which I don't even think we really quite got until we started watching it and figure out what kind of show it 
really was. Um, and uh, so, um, this is going to be interesting because I feel like the actual plot of the show is probably what we're going to be talking about like the least. But um, slight. Yeah, but but uh, we have all that, and we're gonna unpack every every angle of this thing. But um, uh, before we do that, um, you know, I think you know we we should spend maybe you know a, a minute or two each to just kind of do what we always do at the beginning and kind of give our initial reactions to the show. You know. Someone walks up to you on the street. Hey, how was it? And you know, you know, just kind of a run. Try doing like a five minute or less, slightly better summary of the show if you want. Yeah, really. I, and and as always, I uh, when we do dive in, I, uh, I I I encourage us to get the negatives out first. Um, so because those are the easiest like, to talk about. The, it is a it is a, fa- a show that's fairly light on plot, but. There, there's basically two storylines going. You've got a story that's set throughout the 50s and 60s that focuses on three characters. There's uh, Keiko Mara, Bill, Bill Randa, and Lee Shaw. And it starts with Keiko as a scientist who is researching these supernatural or paranormal, not paranormal, but like supernatural, uh, supernormal phenomena and she is believes that there are uh, titans um that word just makes my skin crawl but <laughs> uh but she believes that there are there are you know massive massive unidentified terrestrial organisms in, involved in the in these phenomena but she has no real evidence but the United States government is bankrolling her. It's a small operation. It's literally basically just her. And Lee Shaw is assigned to be her bodyguard, basically, after he gets in a, a series of fights, we, we come to understand, where he, he basically does not get along with, like, the military complex. He, he's, he's sort of a, a, a rogue if you will, he, he's like a troublemaker. So they assign him to her to kind of give it. It's, it's like, it's almost like the way of being like, listen, this is our way to keep you out of trouble so that we don't have to dishonorably discharge you. And they're off on like a mission, like researching these, these phenomena. And they come across Bill Randa, who is doing it by himself. And he sort of gets subsumed into their team. And now they're a team of three and they are, going around and researching Titans and they have several close calls with them. And eventually they prove that Godzilla exists. The United States government takes it seriously. They uh, do the bikini atoll thing and then they, and they nuke him as we saw in 2000, in the 2014 movie. Um, and, Yay. and then, and then from there, their story continues on in sort of a, setting the stage for what Monarch is when we really first come across it in Skull Island, where you'd be wondering, well, if they proved Godzilla existed in the 50s, why in the 70s when Skull Island happens is it this underfunded organization that like is on its last legs? And it's, that's, it's the story of that. It's 
Kay goes missing. She gets presumably killed in the field. Uh, the same actually happens to Lee and and Bill Randa kind of goes crazy trying to prove what happened to them or what he believes happened to them. And Monarch is the, and there's there's a few other things that happen in there that like Lee kind of upsets the chain of command, and so Monarch gets instead of being more of its own thing, gets sort of put under the thumb of someone who doesn't believe in it so much. And there's a few, so it it's sort of basically telling you, hey. Yes, they did. They did. And this is like a it's almost like a question that you might ask if might ask if you watch the movies. Hey, if the government knew about Godzilla in the 50s and then someone said they found like Kong in the 70s, why did nobody believe them? And it's well, here's why. Um, So it's sort of explaining that. And then there's the story set in the 2010s where. It's it's shortly after G-Day or Godzilla Day, the day that Godzilla and the Mutos attacked San Fran. And we have another trio of characters, essentially. There's Kate, uh, Kentaro, and May, who are all thrust together when Kate, who is searching for not searching for even to begin the show. She is going to go wrap up her dad's affairs because her dad has been presumed to be, to be dead. And she realizes that Kentaro exists and can, who, who is Kentaro? He's her half brother from a marriage that her dad had in Japan with another woman. So her, her, she now has this found family. Um, May gets wrapped in as Kate and Kentaro are doing some research into like what, their dad's whole deal was and how he was leading this dual life and lying to them. And they find like a laptop that they need her to help them kind of crack into. Cause she's like a, a computer person. She's the hacker. Um, does she hack the main? She hacks the main. Yeah. 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 Point. There's That's a mainframe. She does. Yep. Like in three minutes. <laughs> yep, yes. yep. Yeah. In class. Um, yeah. <laughs> classic Hollywood style. It takes like three <laughs> seconds to hack the mainframe. <laughs> um, and so it's then them trying to unspool like what happened with their dad. And along the way of that, they run afoul of Lee Shaw. And if you're wondering why Lee Shaw is, you know, not um, 150 years old, the, the, the show actually does explain that. And it's not the the horrifying explanation we all thought it was going to be. Isn't it weird that the two things that the two like newest things we had the, these like crippling fears that they would be like horribly <laughs> problematic and they were able to sidestep it and yeah. they're they're both problematic in other ways but the ones that were like really we were really anxious about <laughs> they didn't do. Um, but he Lee is now butting heads with the current day monarch. As he believes, he's trying to um, close off the various access points for uh, the Titans in onto our Earth by closing down Hollow Earth portals. Meanwhile, Monarch realizes that every time he closes one, he is ramping up the like he's basically like agitating them more and making it more likely that there will be another giant attack and another event and. Um, our trio of characters doesn't know really any of that, but that's what they're caught in between. And, um, it's them sort of unspooling all this and figuring out how these stories from the fifties and the 2000 teens sort of ultimately end up intertwining and, uh, how Kate and Kentaro ultimately discover their, their 
family history and come to terms with everything. Yeah, that was like that was like six, seven minutes. That wasn't too bad. And and yeah, that's that's what the show is. Um. So, uh, I guess, um, yeah, we'll just go around the room and give a, initial thoughts and, and just, um, you know, briefly both the positive and the negative because I, I think we all have mixed feelings. Um, but uh, so, um, Matt, I'll start with with you since. Um, We've been yapping a while. Um, so yeah, just overall, what did you think of the series? Takeaways, good, the bad, the ugly, and so on. Yeah, I am I'm probably the grumpus of the group on this show. Um, I found it... This time. Usually that's me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I found it to be a really frustrating experience. And I think <clears throat> the three of us have separately talked, but I, th- I think the biggest issue with this show is that Um, it suffers from what a lot of shows that are on streaming suffer from, which is you got to hit an episode count, but you don't always have the story like to actually, you know, tell a good story within that episode count. So this should have been like six episodes and we get 10. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it made it kind of exhausting. And in fact, I'm really glad that I watched the episodes as they came out, because if I would have waited and had to binge it, I I think it would have been harder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot of stuff that just feels like padding the runtime. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, and that, that's like, that's really my biggest gripe. I also, that's where I think I we'll all agree for sure. Yeah. Like I, I don't love some of the characters. I found them annoying. I thought they focused on like, for me, I thought the 50s stuff was more interesting. I realized I might be in the minority there, but it, like, I thought the beginnings of Monarch were fairly interesting initially. Um, I would like, I have no issue with a story that doesn't want to focus on monsters like that. That's totally fine. That that's a, a conscious decision. Uh, I would say the monster stuff is mostly kind of bland when they do have things or even bad. Um, Godzilla wakes up from a nap and walks away and it's like, Oh, all right. Well, I don't even know why they included that to be honest. It could have been anything. Someone at legendary, and, like threw a rocket, the writers and we're like, Hey, Godzilla. <laughs> we spent money on Godzilla. You got to include him, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, like, and and again, not not everything is bad. There there are some things about like the Ardvark freezer monster. There's kind of a cool sequence with the with the pilot at one point. I thought the ending with Godzilla was fine and, and fun. It was short, but like it was it was neat. But this show, uh, frankly, just outwards its welcome. And by the time you get to any sort of resolution at the end, I'd fully checked out and, and probably. I would say my other, cur- my other biggest gripe is the the mystery box. Like, take a shot every time somebody says something about finding the truth, or if you just hang on a little longer, you're gonna find out everything. It's like, ah, dude, I, I don't I don't care anymore. I don't want to find anything out. And tracking the dad down for nine episodes for him to then show up at the apartment felt super anticlimactic. Um. And I have some things on Kate that I'm going to save that really actually frustrated me. Um, but so that's the bad. I will get to the good. Um, I the PTSD angle with Kate is something that I, I think is a really cool idea to, to explore in a monster movie, especially one like Godzilla. Godzilla's monster, been traumatizing a lot of people this year. 
Yeah, he has. <laughs> but I think that's I think that's a really like I think that's a really interesting thing to to examine. I just wish we got more of that. Mm. Um, there's also something at the end, and I know we're going to talk about some spoilers that I wish they handled slightly differently because, it, like, I think something with Keiko could have been handled differently and and been more beneficial to the show. So, like, I have to, I have some things that they I just I wish they would have handled much differently. But I, the biggest gripe is again, this should have been like six episodes. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I yeah, I mean, I, I think when I think we'll get to more of our disagreements when we get into the character breakdown. But as far as your overall sentiments, it's really not that much different from my own. Um, and kind of thinking back on it, you know, I'm thinking about how it, how it is, is, you know, 10 episodes and you kind of said it right there. I mean, there's six, I would say maybe seven is, is maybe a proper runtime for this. That might be a little generous, but. Well, I'm trying to find a, something in the middle because like, I don't want it to feel super crammed. I like, I want it. I like that it can breathe a little bit. But overall, I think we're all on the same page, and for me anyway, um, like m- all the things Matt's saying about how he's frustrated about X, Y, and Z, I was really feeling that in the first four episodes. From episode five onward, it was a lot smoother for me because I don't know. That's where it's kind of that's where it's kind of getting to the meat of everything, and I think from five onwards, it's overall pretty good the problem is the first four episodes there's a lot of sort of table setting for it and i think you could probably combine condense that into two episodes one and and two to me there that's like 90 minutes those could have been condensed to like a 70 minute premiere a really good 70 minute premiere yeah and Three and four, one of those two episodes, and I can't remember which one it was now, but one of those two episodes, either three or four, was like actively bad. The one that I, the I, one? I think it's four. I think I think the one where they're mostly screwing around in uh, in the Arctic is the one that you were getting. You were the most frustrated. Oh, with. it's it's uh, it's Frostvark. Yeah, the Frostvark that, episode. Yeah, that that's the one I remember. Also, the one. Not only are they just like dicking around in the Arctic. But that's also the one where they're like, oh, we're going to show you Kay and Kentaro, or May and Kentaro's backstory together. And they spend... It's stuff we are all... all it, yeah, it, it, it's, close to, close it's stuff we half. know already. It's close to half the episode going through a whole bunch of stuff that we really, really, really could have figured out already. Yeah. Um, the only decent stuff of that episode is the stuff with Kentaro and his dad. Like yes. in the art exhibit and whatever, but you could have thrown that chunk of plot into episode three. Yep, you know, and and yeah, I mean, there's ways that you can condense this stuff, and and it sounds like the ten episode. I mean, it sounds like when they were like, "Yeah, we want to make this show," they were like, "It's going to be ten episodes." Like, figure it out. Yep, and that's yep. how a lot of these streaming shows are planned because when you get into a subscriber based platform and and your your deal is. Key, Getting and keeping subscribers. So the way that the model itself is, this is not a monarch-specific problem. This is like an industry problem. The just the, the the concept around that is keep people 
stretch it out as much as you can to keep your subscribers because you got to get that monthly, you know, um, the show needs to run longer than the than the free trial. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, and and and, well, like, and and that's affected even shows that I like way more than this, like shows I love, like Haunting of Hill House, where it's like, yeah, I love the show, but it could lose some a lot. <laughs> well, unfortunately for Apple TV, they give out three month trials like candy and. <laughs> I don't think that's going to help to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's that it's a. I mean, it's a problem with the show. The biggest, I think, is what I think we can all agree there. And it's like I don't know. I'm not going to blame the guys making the show, but I'm going to blame you know the just the industry for having its head in its ass about all this. Um, and that's def- that's the biggest problem. I actually like. Pretty, it's surprisingly enough. I actually like pretty much all the characters. Um, I like that they are kind of. I mean, Matt. Matt. Matt said he didn't like certain characters, and I don't know. I get it, and I get why. I don't know. I'm just one of those people. I've t- I've said this before. I've been. I'm one of those people where like I don't really feel the need to like a character as long as I find something about them interesting. And, you know, that they're keeping me wondering, keeping me guessing. And so I liked the characters, even the ones that might not be the best people, even the ones that might be more morally gray. And there's a lot of morally gray stuff going on with a lot of these people. Um, Like, my favorite directors are, like, Martin Scorsese, David Cronenberg. Like, these guys make movies about, like, people that are do all kinds of crazy stuff. So that's not really an issue for me. I, I, I think I think there's certain avenues that, you know, they could focus more on for sure, or less on for sure. Um but uh, you know, and and I think the performances are all good too. I mean Kurt Russell I mean, yeah, he's charming, he's great, he's Kurt Russell, but I mean, especially in the last episode, he has some real like acting. Like everyone the actors are all fairly good. Um, and, uh, yeah, any, any of the, the characters I found more annoying once we got into episodes five, six ish, all in the back half again, of course. Um, and I felt like I understood why they were maybe not the the greatest human beings. Maybe I understand why they are the way they are. Um, I wasn't really annoyed with them. Um, and I, and I kind of like everybody really, even, um, even Tim, who's a, mon- a guy that works for Monarch, you know, first half of the show, he's like your millennial quipper guy. But by the end of the show, I felt like, oh, hey, this is like, he feels like a real person. That's nice. Um, can, can I quantify something, too? Because, like, I, some of the, the morally gray stuff, that's not really the issue. I thought some of them were poorly well we'll, we'll get not, there we'll get there resolved. yeah yeah you'll, you'll yeah you'll you'll have your you'll have your uh your your moment to <laughs> to explain that i'm gonna rant yeah um uh so yeah the characters even the writing of the characters this might be where we get into a disagreement later i thought was fairly solid um and uh all that stuff was good the the stuff that didn't work for me 
was honestly a lot of the monster stuff. Um, yeah, Godzilla's little fight with what is it, the Ion Dragon? You know, they got some of these. I don't know where what's up with these names. Uh, you know, it is a fun little fight sequence. You know, the part where he. Uh, Keiko and Shaw realize he's still alive and they see him for the first time is is one of the moments where the one maybe the only moment besides like the flashback stuff to 2014 it's maybe the only moment where the monster stuff in, brings out something in the characters and the characters bring out something in the monster stuff that is a good scene but overall the monster stuff whether it's sequences with new monsters or whatever it, it doesn't seem like it's something they're really prioritizing. And that's a little bit of a problem because you want exciting monster stuff. But it really does feel like they're, they're like, okay, we want to be in this world on the ground with these characters. How are these characters reacting to this? And then, you know, John Legendary, you know, throws a rock and is like, hey, we need a monster thing. Just put it in so it's there. And they're like, oh, 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 yeah. So that it kind of feels like an afterthought. Um... And then I can't, this is the problem with the MonsterVerse as a whole, I can't, like, exaggerate how just awful the it is in handling Godzilla's origin as a nuclear cre- creature. You know, uh, uh, as... Tom mentioned we 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 uh you know it it so it's bad enough in 2014 where they're like yeah that Castle Bravo H bomb test it wasn't a test it was actually the military you know trying to kill this big bag monster and the monster is so cool and powerful that it survived and it's like Egh. like that was a real life human atrocity that like killed a lot of people and it's responsible for the lucky dragon incident which is one of the atrocities that the first Godzilla was commenting on and it's <laughs> Like, what are you doing? And so they talk about that in 2014, and then, of course, we get the whole... all of the nuke stuff we've talked about in King of the Monsters, and then here they're like, oh, you know, because we got to have ten episodes, let's show you the entire process of this uh, this bombing that, um, you know, we're... Uh, and and it's Castle Bravo itself, you know, big Let's words. Double down on it. Yeah, yeah. So it's like not now we have to see it, and it's like, geez, guys, like you're really bad at comment. Like, don't like why don't do like, you know, in fifty yeah. years would would like how would we feel if like we there was a show or like oh. Uh, you know, the whole reason the terrorists blew up the twin towers is because there was a guy that they wanted to kill inside of there, like yeah, like a specific guy. Yeah, or oh, uh, you know, the MonsterVerse or, Phase Seventeen uh, uh, Mega Gearus was created by nine eleven or something. Like yeah, or, or yeah, yeah, like like oh, it was actually the, the the planes were flown into the twin towers because. There was a kaiju sleeping underneath them. And <laughs> yeah, it's like guys. Please, if they could, like if they could collapse the that towers, sounds... they could. <laughs> yeah, like please. That sounds so plausible. Yeah, please. That, that <laughs> it's like please stop, please, for the love of God, stop it. And I saw some people like making the. I get where they're coming from. I, their heart's in the right place of saying like, well, you know, 
you had Keiko as the Japanese character, and she's the one that's protesting it a lot. But like, even in con- context of the episode, she's not protesting it the way that um, what's her name in Shin Godzilla, um, the president's daughter, or whatever. Okay, yeah. What's her name? I don't remember her name. Oh. Ann Patterson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's not. She's not protesting it the way Ann Patterson is in Shin Godzilla, where she's like, "There's no way another nuclear bomb can go off. Like it, it just can't happen." It's, it, she's protesting it because Godzilla is this amazing scientific discovery, and it's her discovery, and she doesn't want him like killed or or whatever. She's not protesting it out of because of of that so so yeah they just i mean that's just one of those things that just sticks in my cross so bad um yeah i gave it a better faith reading in the 2014 film knowing how much that movie was messed with yeah um but it's it gets harder and harder (laughs) yeah yeah no the monsterverse revisits it yeah to to be like To give it that good faith reading and to, and instead just start to feel like, please just stop. <laughs> yeah, like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> um, like, like even, if you, even if you wanted it to be uh, more, like, hard-hitting and more uh, Oppenheimer-esque and more uh, minus one-ish and, you know, you wanted to... You're not going to be allowed to because the DOD is going to come in and and so just 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 stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like just just God. If I, they just I I never want to see them do this ever. Like I didn't want them to see it. I didn't want to see it the first time. I now we've got three problematic things. It's like Godzilla versus Kong didn't. I don't know. It was like too dumb to try to. <laughs> say anything about it <laughs> but yeah it's time to it's time to put that to rest it's just it's time um uh but yeah no i mean the the all the all like the writing the dialogue uh performances that's that's really where the strength of it is and i mean i would kill to have uh any characters this you know well fleshed out or whatever in any of those movies you know i mean uh, one, th- one thing that this has, um, you know, I'm, people have been saying it about minus one cause it's like the other movie, but as far as the MonsterVerse goes, you know, we're going to go from this to more of Bernie, you know, and that's going to be, I don't know. I wish it was like, not like that, but, <laughs> um, so uh yeah, I mean I Tom, you piggybacked off a lot of what me and Matt were saying as we yeah. were talking about it, but is are there any stones unturned that you have in your um, initial thoughts? So just you know, like you said, if someone asked me like at work or something and I didn't and and trust me, I wouldn't want to get into it. <laughs> but if you know, someone asked me and I didn't really want to get into it and and with this show I kinda feel like I kinda wouldn't want to. I would just say, yeah, you know, it's not a Godzilla show. Uh, the monster stuff that is in it isn't even all that good. You can actually feel how the people who made the show 
wanted to use Godzilla really for one specific thing. And that is those those flashbacks. Yeah. By the way. You feel how they wanted to use Godzilla for one specific thing. And Legendary said, well, we're not shelling out all that money for Godzilla to only use him that one time. And so then he had to get crammed into various <laughs> other spots. And uh, but if you're coming for this just for Kurt Russell and you're coming to this just to see him have a have a like decent performance. Um, him and Wyatt you know, kind of carry it's a lot okay. of it. There's some good character work, but but overall the show is is just it's okay. If you're a big, big, big Kurt Russell fan, maybe you'll enjoy it actually. But um aside from that, yeah, there's some there's some other good characters in the show, but uh I don't I don't know like who I would recommend this show to. Mm-hmm. Well that's, uh So that's a very quick like Someone asks yeah. me, like my parents or something. Oh, how's that show? But you it's know, weird because, like, cause I, like we, my like, dad, my dad actually is a gigantic Kurt Russell fan, so I'd be like, well, if you want to check it out, maybe because Kurt is in it a lot, and he, you know, it's not just like some stunt casting thing. He's actually in it a lot, and it's pretty good in it. But wasn't it? Uh, well, that I mean, I, I, we're not going to answer this question now. But I brought up earlier that like normal people. Are kind of liking this show, and and it, that that kind of we'll talk about maybe why we think that is, and we're probably going to say a bunch of stuff that is clueless. But that just reminded me, though, that uh, I think Kevin was like, my parents don't care about Godzilla; they don't know anything about monsters, and like, yeah, once I reached like twenty, they they like pitched a bunch of my stuff along with like my comic book collection or whatever. And he's like, for some reason, they're watching Monarch. <laughs> So, so there's probably has a lot to do with, I think it got a decent like boost on the app. It seems like if you have Apple TV, they do a good, like Mm -hmm. as opposed to say Netflix, very often will drop stuff and people will be like, that came out. What? what, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Apple does a good job of promoting their new things and, and t- so to give people... them to give them their credit it's done well for them like it's been in either the top 1 or 2 spot the entire time it's been and yeah out, so so you know. people boot up their Apple app and that's either recommended for them or it's you know what's trending and it's being well promoted on the Apple TV app and so people are oh and by the way for the the if there's anybody listening to this that had these complaints, you don't need an Apple product in order to watch <laughs> Apple TV Plus. Yeah. No, you don't. Uh, it's just like any other Netflix, whatever. You download the app, you sign up for it, and you can watch it. <laughs> I saw a shocking well, amount of that, though. <laughs> I'm not going to buy a $1,000 phone just to watch shows. <laughs> um,. But no, it, it seems like they're doing a good job of promoting it, and so the people who have Apple TV Plus, who probably do, just tend to watch like whatever is recommended to them as like, oh, hey, this is forty five minutes, let's check it out. Are like, eh, it's okay. It's like, yeah. it is. It's the it's episodes are under an hour like, too, so it's not as laborious as you know 
some yeah. of the other longer shows that are like an it's hour that level more, of you know? of just competent enough and each episode generally ends on enough of a cliffhanger that you're like, oh, I might as well just keep watching yeah. it. Um, one thing I'll say that I, I want, I forgot to say in my initial thoughts, and I think it sums up all three of us to a degree is, um, man, I wish he was here. Chris Marty, our friend, longtime friend was supposed to be here. He, he couldn't, uh, the very last minute he, he couldn't make it. So we do want to get him on here again. Cause he's, he hasn't been here on here in a while. And, but I remember I, I was actually looking forward to quoting this back to him, um, I remember this was years ago. It was like he was working through the Marvel movies and he watched Age of Ultron and he was like, <laughs> and I, he might not even remember ever saying this to me, but he, he, he said that was cinematic trail mix. And he was like, some handfuls are like, yeah, you have a delicious M&Ms and peanut combination and other handfuls you're getting like some gross, like, coconuts and raisins or something and i and like that is almost the perfect way overall to describe the show because you'll have a whole episodes even few episodes back to back where you're like wow that was really good and then you'll get something where it's like wow like what no um uh so but yeah let, let's um so let's let's kind of talk about the characters so um you know, uh, Tom, ha- we, have, we have the three core characters um, in the 50s, Shaw, Keiko, and Bill Randa, who is a young, somehow that man aged into John Goodman in like 20 years. <laughs> I'm not sure how. <laughs> um, and then... Can uh, try and do this like from the point of view of like where we, th- we at least think we might all kind of agree and not have a ton to say about them up to the more complicated ones that we might Yeah, there, on. and there's stuff that I think will come up organically as we talk about the rest of the show. Um, uh, think, and, and then... I think if you're looking for uh, agreement, I think we probably all agree on the 50s cast oh, yeah. pretty well. Yeah, they're delightful. Um, and then in the in the 2010s, you get into your more um, modern characters, you know, Kentaro, Kate, and May, and they have a lot of modern problems. Um, and then Shaw is is kind of kind of there guiding them. So he's he's the one that's present in both. Um, and uh, uh, and then you know you have a couple side characters, but um, you know the, the they're just kind of. Hanging out, yeah, um, like that general, yeah, yeah, um, that that general in the fifties and the French lady in the who's like the head of Monarch are like the they're like the same character, but like you know one of them's in the fifties and one of them's in the twenty tens, yeah, yeah, and then the other French lady, um, you're talking about the one that like in the, the 20- one with the the one with the big head of black hair. Yeah, yeah. There's the the one with the shorter hair that um is supposed to be Juliette Binoche's character's sister. <laughs> what? Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll we're going to put a pin <laughs> in that because we we have a very specific conversation about the monsterverse lore that we're going to get into. So, I'll so yeah, it, we're going to we're going to kind of 
that we're we're gonna get into that later. That that's a conversation for later. We're <laughs> and and we we yeah we we have a whole conversation that we need to finally dive into. We've skirted it around it, but we need to get into it, and that's the legendary lore. Barnaby leg. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the, off, the lore officer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, we finally know the guy's name, and so we can uh, talk shit about him and ensure he never comes on here. Although I would, hey, if <laughs> if I could interview this man, I absolutely would. I might, you know, I might bombard his DMs to see what happens. You think you would just sleep through the whole interview? Yeah, uh-huh, what? Oh, yeah. And then wake uh, up at no, the end and go, just... yeah, that's good. <laughs> no, he, he Which is how he does up. his actual job. <laughs> No, he he would just make up like new answers as he came on because. Oh yeah, that guy. Uh, yeah, that's uh the uh, uh, uh Kyle Chandler's uncle <laughs> or something. <laughs> um, you guys think so? Bill Randa. I feel like of the '50s characters, he's the least. That's got anything going on. Yeah, he's still, like, charming and, like, he's still, like, pleasant to have around, though. Yeah, like, he's fine, though. He's just, he's 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 the most one-dimensional of those characters. Yeah. He's just, like, singularly focused on proving that he's right, and he, you can, from a writing standpoint, they do a decent enough job of showing you how this how he becomes the character that John Goodman is a crazy person. <laughs> yes. Because, you know, he loses his friends and he is just by himself and he's slowly dwindling on funding. And, and, and like, it, right? like you know, there's, like, there's like, and there's like, I don't know, 10 years or so of work that the government basically buried. And like, yes. Yeah. But he's got the least going on, right? He's just kind of there. Yeah. Um. I mean, I like everybody. Like I said, I, I none of these people. Oh, you really... even like Hiroshi, the dad? Uh, okay. He especially likes Hiroshi. No, Hiroshi is. He's. He's going out for sloppy steaks with his hair. <laughs> <back>. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, he's gonna have some answering t- <laughs> to do <laughs> if they ever if they do another season. Uh, yeah, no, he's he's kind of the worst, and I don't know because he's the worst. It, like his kids are kind of the worst, and um, that's when you get into the more, I guess, complex nature of the 2010s cast. The 50s cast is very much almost reflecting that generation. You know, it was right after World War II, things were optimistic. It was like, oh, the worst is behind us. The world's entering into a new uh, new frontier, and everyone's optimistic and hopeful. And and then the, you get into the 2010 characters, and they're like, you know, they're our generation, basically. And they're like, yeah, of course they're all fucked up you know and then that's like us you know i mean after you've lived through multiple wars and 9-11s and whatever the hell 
has been happening in the last few years and COVID. And it's like, yeah, of course these people have problems. Um, and, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean that, that, that stuff so much didn't bother me. Uh, and I mean, you even get a little bit of that in the fifties era, I, you know, I mean, Shaw in both eras with, with is Shaw and fairly... Keiko's interactions in the fifties. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and uh, I guess, I guess if I have one complaint about the fifties storyline, I would have liked to see, cause there is a little bit of a love triangle there. And, and I would have liked to see, I guess a little bit more about how her and Randa's romance develops. Yeah. Because we we know she winds up with him because, uh, you know, the the dad of the 2010s characters is, you know, John Goodman, you know, Bill's son. And, um, yeah, it, it's kind of like f- between episodes almost. I mean, you they have some really good, like, lovey-dovey moments where you can see that they're into each other and stuff. But I guess I would have liked to kind of see more... More development. Their relationship there. throughout seems much more friendly, whereas uh, Wyatt Russell and her have much more sexual tension. Yeah, and, and 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 well, the reason I because I, the stuff where like Shaw or or where well where Randa and Keiko are like, I guess sort of falling in love, and you know he learns that she had a child in Japan that um, she brought over. Um, and that's where you learn Hiroshi's not his biological son, which was a cool little twist. I I thought I did not I didn't see that really coming. I didn't see that coming at all. Um, you know, I thought, oh, he, you know, he just he Hiroshi's biracial, and he just you know inherited a lot of the Japanese end. Um, but that was a cool little twist that they did there. And you know, I I, I want to see where it gets to the point where he loves them so much that he wants to be the dad. Um. That's the part that I didn't really get, and it comes like either an episode or two after you get that flashback with Shaw and Keiko at that um, party, and like it's only a matter yeah. of like workplace inconvenience that they didn't hook up. Like, like it wasn't just Shaw like being like the horny dude. Like she was like DTF, <laughs> you know? Yeah. They were going to a hotel room together. Yeah. And then, and then they're like, Oh, he basically got called into work <laughs> at the worst possible <laughs> moment. <laughs> and then, and then it, it, but it turns out that that, that is like, he, like he's so into her that he, he misses the, the, the government's like budget meeting for Monarch because he yeah, goes Sean, and follows her. And that ends up, that's the first we step. We don't know why Monarch became underfunded. It's because Shaw wanted to get his dick wet so bad. Yeah. That he blew off the federal government. <laughs> and, 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 and yeah, that, that, that's, that's legitimately like what happened. Like he was so into her. He followed her and missed that. And she even like the second she sees him show up. I mean, like she was into him too, but the second she she's she's like, "Oh my god!" Like, why? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and um, and and I mean that's interesting. It's an interesting element to these characters, and I like how that was handled. But I would have liked to see more. Okay, there's there's like a little piece of connective tissue missing between that. And where we get to uh, Bill adopting the kid, and 
being a family together. And I mean, 10 episodes, I feel like, you know, chunk out something else d- that, that they're awful wasting. one where Kentaro and May bang? Yeah, like chunk out that backstory because we already know it from the first two episodes and, you know, throw in something where you can build up more of the Keiko and Bill stuff. Um, yeah. That's like my bigger, my biggest criticism about that that stuff. Uh, the 2010 stuff, I mean, yeah, everyone's messy and complicated and not not great, but I don't know. I these are the characters that are a little more interesting to discuss. Yeah, I, yeah, right? yeah. Um, I'm. Um, I don't know. I guess. I guess now's a time as good as any to kind of give. I might have liked to see, and this is this is me personally, and so I'm not. I actually don't hold it super against the show for not doing this. Um, and apparently, it did it too much already because people were calling it woke for doing this. It didn't. But do I might have liked to see <laughs> more. But, yeah of Keiko struggling working for the United States military um, so shortly after World War II. Yeah, they do get um, into some of that stuff, and, like, there's a few scenes where, like, she faces, like, outright, like, racism. Um, but, yeah, but I, yeah, tension. the tensions could be a little thicker. Um, but, yeah, there are parts where it's very obvious that the Americans are stonewalling... Uh, of the the three fifties characters because a Japanese scientist is involved. That's actually to me the frustrating part about that is if like if you're gonna go that route, I wish they would have just committed to it and it would have been more than just I mean that that sequence felt like it lasted five minutes. And I wish it could have been more explicit and we could have seen more of it to be able to truly deal and wrestle with it. And like that to me is the frustrating part is because it felt like an add on versus something they wanted to commit to, especially again, when we feel, when I feel like this show has a lot of fluff. Um, so yeah, I was kind of, I was actually frustrated by that because it would have served the show a lot better for her to be able to wrestle through that. And with that, and like you get it in a moment, but it kind of passes and, and goes away. So yeah. Or even for the other characters to wrestle with it more, right? It really... 100%, yeah. If if you talk about moments in this show that feel like any kind of uh, virtue signaling, that's almost, that's, that's almost the closest we come, right? Because you bring this up just to sh- almost just to show that Bill's a really good guy because he gets mad for her. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, the other um, I, I I think it I, I think the only other times it ever gets more direct is um I forget the character's name, but the the general guy, the guy that he basically after Shaw messes up by like missing that meeting, the guy he puts in place, like the guy that he puts in charge of Monarch to basically bury it um because like they don't want to admit any of it. Um, that there, there's stuff in there that where I forget the guy, the character's name, but the guy they put in charge of Monarch because of that is a little, he's, he's pretty racist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I get what you like guys are U- saying. The, canoe or something. Yeah. I, I get what you guys are saying. The tensions from the start could be a little thicker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially cause right. like, 
I don't know. He Lee shows up and he's like, oh, where's this Dr. Mira? And, you know, she's like, I'm her. And he's like, oh, I thought you'd be a a man or whatever. Like, I don't know. It's just he's not at all taken aback by her being Japanese. That's, you know, like, again, it's 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 tough because like that was that's the reality of the world in the early 1950s. Kind of like how the there's American a kind of like how in the 40s there were American GIs on every street corner of Japan. That was also uh, I overlooked recently, I think. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. so yeah, I mean, I don't know. We're we're kind of all together on the 50s folks. Um, now they're Matt already good though. And they're generally enjoyable to spend time with. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. No, they're, I, they're great. I like all of those people. Um, and the actors all really threw themselves into it. Um, so when we get into the 2010s and we get into things that are a little more complicated, um, Tim is the best. I liked him. I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to say he's the best. <laughs> He's yep. kind of a yeah, he's kind of a government yeah. stooge who finds his heart <laughs> by the end. Tim's the great Tim has the best moment in the entire monsterverse. Period. Tim has this great moment. It's, it's this is this is like it might be the only genuinely funny moment in the entire monsterverse. Um because I do laugh at King of the Monsters a lot, but I mostly just laugh at like Wow, someone actually thought this was funny. <laughs> Look, I laugh at the non-mitty of it all, but Tim has this great moment. <clears throat> if you haven't watched the show, I'm going to ruin it for you. <laughs> it's this great moment where he gives like kind of a pump-up speech. Like it's a very quick pump-up speech, but he's you know he's like, "Let's go," da, da, da. and then he's like, "All right, everyone ready? Let's go do this." And as he goes to walk and be like the leader of this group, it's just him, Kentaro and Kate at that point, but he's going to go, he trips over the curb. (laughs) (laughs) That's like a human moment though. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's awesome. (laughs) Him tripping over a a curb is more human than most of the stuff we've gotten in the movies. Anything Ford does. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Ford is like uh, Zuckerberg. That's how much personality he has or doesn't have, I guess. Um. So I, I, I kind of, Matt. I'm going to give you the floor to kind of uh, talk about. I get to air some grievances. Where you are with the, uh, yeah, with the the 2010s characters because you already said like this is the one subject you're probably going to be like the dissenter on, and so I'm going to get let you kind of take it away. So I'm not sure that you have to have Kintaro's character in the show to be honest. Like he feels. Uh, he feels kind of like an add-on to me. Like, I'm not sure what he adds to the show, really. Uh, part of, like, you know, he has a relationship with May, but, like, that kind of comes hmm. and goes. And- but how do you... He's probably of the 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 three younger. He's he's, he's kind of like a nothing burger. For yeah, me. well, like, he's kind of the one that he's like the Randa of the twenty tens that he's kind of just like the Randa. there. <laughs> he's not like I don't know. He's not like horrible. He's just kind of there. But but see that that's making me question like how do you really hammer home the dad was screwing around a lot and how are we going to deal with it angle well, like, without so, him yeah like 
I don't know that I even care about the dad having two families. That's kind of the thing. Like the, the initial, for me, the initial thrust of the show was we're trying to find out the dad disappeared, right? You can do that without having the second family. Like I, there, there are ways for them to do that. But I think my biggest frustration, honestly, is with Kate. Not because like, Oh, cause it's woke. A, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my frustration with Kate is that she could have been a complex character. And I think they did some things that like were window dressing. So as an example, it's revealed that she has a girlfriend that she was potentially moving in with. And then she cheats on like five minutes later. And then that entire story like lasts about 15 minutes. And then it's completely dropped from the show, basically never mentioned again. And to me, that's frustrating because like if it's about representation, I don't feel like that's good representation because it like kind of just is there and then it's not. And then it just like, I don't know what the point is. You could cut that from the show and you would not be any like it wouldn't matter. I have a rebuttal, the other, but I will let you continue. The, the other, the other frustration that I have is she's a teacher. She watches kids die, right? I would have liked to have seen, I, I would have liked to see more of that. I would have liked to have seen more of the PTSD. They had a really cool opportunity for her to like, you know, she's, she's upset when the alarm goes off, right. For the, the, the Godzilla alarm in Japan the first time. And she like breaks down. It would have been nice that two other times that you run into Godzilla or whatever, that she has to confront that fear again. And I thought they missed an opportunity to explore it and give her a chance to what I feel overcome it. Like she does make some decisions at the end of the show to like, Oh, Hey, we're going to run into grandma here and I've lost all these people and I don't want to lose anymore. Like I get what they're saying, but that felt to me kind of forced, especially when she was like Keiko's character is going to stay. And then all of a sudden Kate convinces her in that one sentence to like go with them. I would have rather than focused on Kate's ability to deal with her PTSD in that moment when Godzilla's there, she's facing the monster that killed all these people around her, people that she cared about kids that she cared about and Godzilla's kind of saving her not because he wants to just because of just happenstance and then also she's trying to get to safety and like what happens in that moment I would have liked to have seen her be the focal point versus in that moment Kurt Russell's character hmm. um, that is actually also, a pretty uh, good point like, um, and, I'll, and I'll say I, I, I don't super disagree with it I think there's there is one part of the show that tries to assuage that specific complaint. Although I, I, I don't think it does enough. I think it's still, it's like, you're still like, well, that she still would have this aching sense of dread, just hearing his roar. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's actually not a bad point. Um, I think that ties more into the issue that all three of us had and that bird, really well uh, articulated of like the monster stuff is not good. And yeah. Yeah. And, um, and especially from that, like there's only one or two parts the entire time where the monster stuff either illuminates anything about the characters or the characters illuminate anything about the monsters. And like, that's it. And it is the, the flashback. And then when, when they find out that Godzilla didn't die from the, the bomb which is a great um, moment but yeah the that, other everything the else is that, fluff the part that tries to assuage matt's complaint and i i will say i don't think it does a great job of it is 
is the part where he wakes up in the desert and goes and takes a walk because Kate is like, he looked at me. And Kurt Russell's like, yeah, yeah, he does that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think <laughs> what that's trying to do, and the show, the show doesn't really spend any, any time doing it, is like, he's not, it, it's basically kind of like saying like, he's not evil. He's not, out to get you. He didn't destroy a bridge to kill a bunch of kids. He's, you are an ant and he is a person. He sees you and recognizes you and he's not going to go out of his way to step on you, but he's also not going to like even take much notice of you. Yeah. I I don't think it does a great job of it, but I think that's what it's trying to do. One other on Keiko's character. So we haven't talked about that. This is the super spoily twist at the end of the show is that you find out that they're actually in the in-between between the, the surface world and the hollow earth access money. And, it, and in this area time, it's, it's the whole time dilation thing. where like time there passes so much slower. So Keiko's actually still alive. And now she's older than her kid. She's about the same age, roughly, as her granddaughter. Um, and there's actually a really great moment where she's saying, "Like, I don't want to go back because the like this is a, the world above me isn't my world." And she finds out that her husband's passed, and she sees her other friend there, who Kurt Russell character, who now is aged. And I would have loved for them to focus on her return to the world above. And for her to deal with the fact that her husband's gone, she's younger than her kid, and her she's the same age as her well, granddaughter. Well, I, I don't disagree, like, I, but I I think I think that's where you know we go into like season two stuff. No, Do you like the part God, where no. she asks no. if her son? Do you like the part where she asks if her son is happy? <laughs> yeah, and they're like, uh, yeah, <laughs> he's great. Okay, so and then the other thing, the other thing that I that like. The dad character, her son, like he—he's so frustrating to me because that the 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 tracking him for nine freaking episodes, and then he just shows up at the apartment. I'm like, well, that's really? one of those subplots it, that goes on too long because I mean a lot. Of, it's the mystery box. Not, right? Nine like, nine out of ten of our complaints can go back to this ten episode count. Oh, that's I know, one, but of them. like. It's also very anticlimactic. I will say, and I give the show credit for this, I did like the confrontation between him and the wife. Mm-hmm. When she basically walks up to him, hands him the ring, and letting him... And like, and yeah, he's like, what, what's going on? She's like, I'm leaving you, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, again, the, the, the overall experience of the show... It's frustrating. Can I just, and like, I'm going to complain, like adding Kong, I get it. It was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. It's the most predictable thing to have in the show, but like, Oh, thanks. He beats his chest and the show ends. I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't know. To me, to me, some of the stuff that they added, I like, that's just a whatever thing. Whatever. But like, that's the whole thing. The show was whatever. Like it's, I, I feel I have no desire to ever come back and watch the show again. Like it just doesn't, it's it's eight hours long, and like uh, so. I, I do you have like, so so? I feel like you've gotten a lot 
out, but if, do you have anything yeah. about May before we move on? I liked May's character, actually. Okay. Um, mo- I, I mostly liked May's character. Um, she, I felt like they gave her a redemption arc. Um, she, to me, feels kind of, I don't want to say the most believable, but like for whatever reason, I connected with her more. Mm-hmm. No, so, no, yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree fan. with that. I, um, I'm not a huge May fan, and it's it's well. Is that because of how they're writing her, or is it because they are like, oh, uh, she's more, gonna like help build plots. Mechagodzilla? It's more the plots that she's involved in. Uh, it's less. It's much less about her than it is the 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 plots she's involved in. Although I do think I don't. Okay, I I can very very easily come up with like some headcanon as to why she is so nasty to Kentaro when he initially reaches out to her, um, but like she's the one who ghosted him, and she's the one who doesn't want to get close because of her other issues, and so then. When she like is constantly like, oh, you didn't call, you didn't do it, and it's like, like in the first couple episodes, and I was kind of like, like when it's revealed everything with her, I'm like, well, why is she so pissed off at him? And I get like you can headcanon that and say it's her just putting up like this gruff exterior because, but like, well, don't you think part of that though is that like she's she's kind of just being dragged into this drama that has nothing to do with her and like. Her even be agreeing to be there is kind of like an act of kindness, and she. But she is really it just offered to pay her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like she. She's you. unreasonably nasty in the earlier goings. I think. Um, I, that's not. That's fair. Yeah. I just but, think she's and, like. And then, I don't know. She doesn't want it. It's, I, I don't think she's doing it for money. I think she. I think deep down she's probably like, oh, I should. It's the right thing to do, can, but. Can, I'm mad about it. Can I ask you a question? I, and because I really she's unreasonably nasty initially, I don't <laughs> buy it as much when she like becomes their best friend. That's that's kind of my issue. I get that. That's I and understand kinda, that, but it's not. And and she, they don't ever verbalize anything where she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I was keeping you at a distance because my boss was building Mechagodzilla." <laughs> it, well, it, it also it also feels to me like they're if if they get more seasons, they're almost trying to like plant seeds for a ro- a romance with her and Kate. That's what yeah. I thought. That was where I was going. Is like I thought that those two were now having the relationship, and like I don't know that. Like I thought that's where it was headed. It definitely started to seem that way to me too. Um, okay. Uh, well, I, I, so some of that I do. I will say. I will say my bigger issue with May is the like. Oh, she's hacking the mainframe, oh, well, and yeah. she's and she's tied up in the apex cybernetics stuff, and like and like that being treated like this big like. We've merged our two companies, and we have a new name. And dun 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 dun. And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, Remember when uh, when they spilled water or like scotch on the Mechagodzilla computer and it first out? Hey, <laughs> maybe always- maybe season two of Monarch will reveal that that was like um, 
that was like the the exhaust port in the in the Death Star. Well, you know, so original, you know, that scene May was programmed. May programmed the computer to short out when it gets a drink spilled on it. Well, you know, that scene is was filmed with them pouring that to stop this Godzilla radiation siphoning thing that was powering Mechagodzilla after Mechagodzilla murders Kong. That was what that pouring the drink scene was. Shut up. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm glad they changed the ending to that movie. But uh, So, yeah, no, so I don't know. Um, so uh, I, 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 I need to push back on what Matt was saying with the Kate stuff. Um, I think we get a little bit of that. I mean, I, I definitely, I would have liked a sequence maybe, especially, you know, uh, a little bit more of like Godzilla haunting her or whatever. Um, but I, I, first of all, one thing I didn't say about this that cast. That feels almost like a John Legendary thing too. Yeah. Of like, like John Legendary. You can't you can't make the hero of our franchise be this big scary thing. Well, and yeah, we we know they, I, yeah. The, this movie subverted that, or the show subverted that as much as it could by showing you how. Oh, yeah, that when Godzilla shows up in San Francisco, yeah, it wasn't a great moment. It actually killed people. That and it was bad. And so that's showing a new perspective on it. But it definitely doesn't really. It, the, the MonsterVerse wants Godzilla to be a hero, and and I can, I can see that. Um, as far as the stuff with, um, her and her girlfriend and her cheating goes, it's one of those things where like, I don't know. I feel like the episode. It's the episode kind of, for me anyway. I felt like it just kind of spoke for itself and. I don't think you need to explore that more because if you do, then you fall into another trope, which is the whole sins of the father trope where you're really hammering home the, oh, she's just like her dad. And I I, I think the show handles that better by not losing its mind about it because that way, you know, you, you, you have her having a sense of reflection of like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm really not much better and I'm going to be better. And you're not spending a whole other episode about this affair that she's having with this other woman. Um, I don't think that the decision to make her gay is on on a surface level about representation. I, I, because it's it's one of those things where, like, I don't know, when you start worrying too much about, oh, is this good representation or is it bad representation, if if you are going to make a, marginal, a character who's part of a marginalized group more moral because you're too worried about bad representation, then you fall into just tokenism. Then it's like, oh, we have the requisite gay character. And... You know, it's something that you see a lot in in a lot of uh, shows and movies with, with with studios that overcalculate that stuff to where, like, okay, if you have a black character, they can't do X Y Z. And uh, the big the the best solution to that is just portray people as people, as flawed, good, bad, ugly as they may be. 
treat them like they are real people and not caricatures. And, you know, if you overcorrect something because you want, quote-unquote, good a representation, like I said, then you get into tokenism. Um, and I think the way that they just showed this character in her backstory, you know, this is a gay woman, and she's a cheater like her father, but, and so, you know, she might not be the most moral character. I think that it was handled well because it's not giving you a ton more. And like I said, I think that episode kind of speaks for itself. That episode could be its own, like, short film about, hey, here's a person dealing with surviving Godzilla. Um, and uh, one thing I, I'll give this show credit for is that this is the most diverse cast of characters that we've seen in a kaiju thing maybe ever. You know, um, you have, uh, uh, you know, May is a, a, a black woman. Um, you know, Kate is a, is, is a gay woman. Um, you know, you have uh, a lot of different kinds of people in these characters. And um, that's better than like, and, and I don't know, they feel real. Like, you know, I mean, they, they're not bordering into a stereotypical, like, like, you know, Bernie and Godzilla versus, like May, May isn't walking into a room and going, bitch, what? Like, <laughs> you know, you know, they, they, they feel real and they don't feel like caricatures and they, you know, they, they just feel like people. I don't know. And, and people are, not always great they're not always evil they're just people and i don't know that that's kind of where i i mean i don't know that's probably the biggest where i'm going to disagree the most other than that though i mean I, I i liked everything you said particularly about may I, I may was the character that was probably annoying me the most and then i got and then when we got her episode I agree with Tom that the Mecha Godzilla connections are a little too on the nose, ho 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 herky derky reference stuff. But I, but I, I liked what you said about her episode and really kind of bringing that home because that is explaining why she's the way she is and why you know she fled the the country and had a new nickname and everything. Um, I don't think it's any of us, but yeah, the the reaction to having, uh, I guess, this kind of diverse cast, uh, the predictable types <laughs> have taken issue with it. Um, I don't think that's any of us, but uh, I mean, and look, if you're one of those guys that thinks gay characters, black characters, female characters don't belong in these stories, I mean, you know. Turn this off. Who needs you? (laughs) Especially because, like you said, Bird, it's they are portrayed as people, and and so you don't get into any kind. It it never felt token. Well, yeah, and it doesn't feel pandering. Oh, this like I've seen. Oh, it's the Godzilla's in the Panderverse or whatever. Now, thanks, South Park. But uh, it's like. Is it? I mean, the, I none of the promotional that. material, none of the interviews, none of the press. I it at all. None of the PR. Yeah. I watched an interview. I, I watched a brief part of an interview with May and Kate 
Uh, I don't remember the actress's names because who the hell May cares? is Kiersey Clemens, and I know that because I've seen um, her and stuff, and I really like her. But, but like, I saw an interview with them, and they were just talking about like how I don't know, whatever, like whatever typical nonsense everyone who's in one of these movies says. Oh, it's so fun to be in a movie with Godzilla. Like, <laughs> you know, okay, I mean, like, <laughs> it's it's that it's the other kind of pandering, right? It's it's the it's the placate the fandom type of pandering um, that I just that fluff that I don't the, the EPK about. stuff that everything yeah. is, you know, um, and they, and they talked about like, stuff. I don't know. There were, there were some, some minor buzzwords in there. Like they, they said, I think it's, uh, I think they both kind of said, Oh, it's cool to show that there are women in these that actually are characters. And I was like, Oh, okay. And like, that's all they said. That is it. And I was just like, yeah, okay, what, like, whatever. Like, I, I think, you know, them trying to say, like, oh, we want to get, like, little girls can like monsters, too. Oh, well, yeah, okay, sure, you know. And that's whatever. fine. Um, <laughs> I just, yeah. So it's it, nothing in any of the marketing, in any of the discussion, in any of the and, – and I feel like the way you can tell that nothing in any of this is actually – pushing it or marketing it and it is just the the types within this fandom who are very offended by it is that i genuinely think this this country is at such a point where they where everyone wants to make everything a culture war if there was a thing out there where the actors or showrunners or anyone on this show was like, we wanted to show that gay women are great. You know, like if they did anything like that in any of the marketing, this would have been picked up by Fox news <laughs> so fast. And because they, I mean, they do it with like X-Men, like X-Men is woke. Now star Wars is woke. Now that's why I'm a Trekkie. And you're like, I mean, you're wrong about all of those things. Um, so they would have jumped on it hard. It's it's just the the niche morons within this fandom that are that are having issues with it. Um, They're like, oh, they show Kate walking in front of a rainbow flag, and it's like, yeah, it's in San Francisco. Have you been to San Francisco? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I uh, I think. Burden, Burden, you and I have talked about this like, like just off air a little bit. Like that fifth episode with her dealing with her PTSD and showing everything that happened in the wake of that that G day. And um, there's a, there's a moment. It might be. It's either in that episode or is it in another episode where like the 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 Titan alarm goes off or whatever. Yeah. And you see her like freak out about that. That's either the first or second episode. It's early. She's like, Oh my God, again. Okay. Matt says the second one. Okay. Well, there's like, like those couple, like I personally, I would take a whole show of that. Yeah. I would take a whole show. That's what we were saying. Um, anthology stories, little 45 minute to one hour stories of what people have been dealing with in this world yeah. where monsters exist and how like, you know, for her, it would be this really traumatic thing about like, you know, her, 
or this school bus full of children. You could do another episode where like someone loses their home. You could do another episode where someone is like at kind of a crossroads of, of not wanting to go on who then maybe rescues some people from rubble and finds that they have purpose in this world. Like I would, I would be so about a show that was just like little 45 minute anthology stories of people living in the, in the wake of all of this chaos that's created whenever a a monster, you know, decides to walk through a city. Well, that's where this show's heart really is. I, I think we said, I mean, I'm guessing just based on, you know, what we've read between the lines and stuff from uh, Chris Black and, and Matt Fraction. I'm, I'm guessing if they had no oversight, the show, we w- the show would be more like Gareth Edwards' movie Monsters, where instead of, you know, the octopus things, it's Godzilla and whatever Titans, but it's more about like, okay, this is just the world and these are the people that live in it. Um, that's the yeah, best part. That's the best stuff in this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's the stuff that the show sells at is like the stuff that I feel like they care about. You know, I wish, you know, I wish they had a little more interest in the other things. And, you know, if this does get more seasons, this is where they have a chance to, to improve. Um, I do wish like, I mean, that's for as, for as much as I don't care how much Godzilla we get in an episode is, is, is Godzilla in that that fifth episode aside from a flashback? Like, no. you know, is there any monster stuff in that fifth episode aside from maybe a quick flashback to yeah, the bridge yeah. sequence? The, the, my favorite like, episodes are the ones that have like no monster stuff. Um I, I think I think that's all there is in that whole episode is just a quick flashback to the yeah. bridge. Um f- so for as much as I don't care about whether there is even any monster stuff it would be nice to have maybe someone in the room who does seem to care about the monsters because the monster stuff does mm-hmm. kind of suck. So it, it does suck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's like, I don't care if there is none, if the episode is good, but like when you have some, can you please make it good? <laughs> right. Yeah. One thing uh, I want to say, and it's just a recommendation for anyone that hasn't done this already one thing that has been absolutely delightful is um, we mentioned, you know, the cast and crew, they're on their, their press tours and stuff. But in uh, every podcast, every talk show, like Known to Man, over the last two months has had Kurt and Wyatt Russell, for those who, I don't know, have been living under a rock, they are father and son playing the same character. And they absolutely loved doing that. Um, uh, but uh, on this press cycle, they're sending them out together to show up on all the talk shows and stuff, and they have just been delightful <laughs> and 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 a lot of fun in all these interviews. Like, go on YouTube and look them up. I mean, they've been on everything: Jimmy Kimmel, Seth Meyers, whatever. And Did they it, mention at all? Because I haven't looked at any of this. Did they mention at all? Like that one of them picked up another one's mannerisms more. Like, did Wyatt? 
imitate Kurt? More Not specifically, or? but they said, uh, they said like, I mean, they, they, they said that they get a lot of offers to play father and son and they're, and they always turn it down. Cause they're like, yeah, obviously whatever. But they said like, they jumped at the chance to play the same character separated by decades. And they said like, um, in pre-production, like they spent a lot of time, um, on like zoom and stuff, like talking about their care about Shaw and how he acts and, 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 um, uh, uh, the, the Matt, Matt Shackman, the director said like in directing some of these episodes, like there's 50 sequences where Wyatt was acting more like Kurt and there's 2010 sequences where Kurt is acting more like Wyatt and um, how, like, they're very different actors, but, like, they they were trying to, like, basically sync up. Um, and, like, they... You can tell. That's, like, that's kind of what I was, like... Like, their facial expressions and physical reactions to things are super similar. Yeah, like, they worked together a lot to, like... Ham- like, they would read over scenes, like, you know, of... The, like Wyatt would go over scenes from the 50s and dialogue and stuff with Kurt and he would do the same thing for his scenes and they would do that together like you know in, in like their off time to like kind of yeah like sync up the performance but also make sure they're both able to act different enough that you believe that like okay this is the same person but separated by you know X amount of decades yeah. and experience too yeah and then you know that shows that you know they you know took took it seriously, you know, it'd be easy to just be like, oh, we're the Russells and everyone's going to like us because of that. And, you know, but they actually put in work on it, but they've, they've been hilarious and, and a lot of fun on, uh, on all these like talk shows and stuff. I was looking at a bunch of those, uh, uh, the other day, there was one that was like, oh yeah, you guys like big Godzilla fans. And they were like, eh, not, not really. <laughs> and like, they both just started laughing and they were like, you know, <laughs> they were like, we just thought it was cool to play the same guy pretty much. <laughs> um, uh, and then, yeah, so I don't, you talk about two consummate professionals, uh, doing their best. So you would, contr- you would contrast that with Barnaby leg. <laughs> yeah. The guy that does nothing. I will say, um, uh, bef- that was my attempt to segue. To go, uh, yeah, no, we're we're gonna get that. I have one last thought to kind of s- go into when we were talking about the characters. And Matt said, you know, he wished Keiko, I guess, had more of a moment in that finale instead of Shaw. And like, I get, th- I get it, I really do. But I feel like Shaw had such a good like send off, sort of that. I don't really mind it, and I feel like and he's he's coming back in season two. I mean, like yeah. <laughs> oh, see, that was I was just saying. Don't you think that's a hundred percent because there's no way Kurt Russell's coming back, so they can bring back what's her face, uh, and she can get her moment in season two somewhere where she's like adjusting to the world. Yeah, like we're and like, like yeah, it, it, and learning that her son is a huge piece. Yeah, of yeah. <laughs> Did you used to be a piece of shit? Um. Yeah, no, I and yeah, I guess that's kind of. I guess I kind of said that, but that's why I guess it didn't bother me because like the show do, did is. It seems like it's doing well enough that I, I could see them doing a season two, and I feel like we're gonna get a lot of that. Um, and I feel like uh, you're gonna get more of a resolution to May's story and how she 
that's obviously left hanging to where you know we're gonna get into Apex stuff and Mecha Godzilla stuff. But mm-hmm. okay, so so I I mean I, every time I bring up something with connective lore with this stuff, um, you full body cringe. Yeah, and and you usually like pop a brain cell or something. And we heard that happen earlier when I mentioned the um, Tim's partner or former partner, the the the, the French woman. Is this is the second time I feel like I've learned like on this podcast that there was either something connected or something not connected. And I, th- I think what I'm referencing there is I think I learned on this podcast that Charles Dance wasn't going to be in Godzilla versus Kong. Maybe in that <laughs> like blew my mind. This so like the second time. That, that, okay, that, so so Juliette Binoche's character. This is supposed to be her sister, and she does have a scene in one of the episodes where she says like. Um, in 1990, whatever, whenever the, the Muto attack happens that kills her in the 2014 yeah. movie, she mentions that, the Janjira she Japan does, thing, I, I and she's like, my that. sister died in that accident, and that's why I wanted to join uh, a Monarch, and you know, that's when I really wanted to like contribute to what we can do to prevent this from happening again. And uh, yes, it turns out, and this is confirmed... By that Barnaby Leg? Yes. That this is the sister of Juliet Binoche, which means she's Ford's aunt. <laughs> oh, I hate it. Did so Matt just like like die? <laughs> and his head hit his phone or his head hit his I, I, microphone. I just I I literally I, I face palmed and I smacked my mic. So <laughs> so it, it's finally time to have this discussion properly because I feel like every MonsterVerse thing we've acknowledged, like, hey, there's a severe retcon going on, even between the movies. That's not even counting the comics and stuff like that. And when, when you count that stuff, it's a whole mess. And um, you know, and we've talked about each time. Like I remember even specifically when we talked about the Skull Island um cartoon. I said, like, yeah, it's weird that the someone at Legendary is in charge of this stuff, and you know, the 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 they wanted to call this ship that's um, in one of the episodes the Wanderer, which is the same. Sh- in, in the that's the a reference to the novelization of the thirty three Kong movie, but that there's a ship named the Wanderer in in the Skull Island movie that's like washed ashore, and they're like, no, we can't. You are we already did that in the movie, and I. And I said on that episode, I was like, why are they like nitpicking this tiny stuff when there's stuff that makes no sense from thing to thing? Like, who, why? Like, who is doing this? And like, just in my um, random, like, you know, looking at interviews with this stuff, there is, so they, they and I, I've, we've known of this man's existence for <laughs> years now. But um, finally, someone referenced him by name. It was one of the, uh, Chris Black or one of the Monarch guys. And there's a guy who is like, you know, Star Wars. Lucasfilm has a guy employed, and he oversees what's called the Holocron, which is basically the Star Wars info database. And he's he's there to make sure things flow, con- continuity makes sense. He doesn't always do his job great, but hey, he he does okay enough with what he's given not not when it got when things got too complicated for him he eventually was just like you know what all this other stuff it doesn't exist anymore yeah (laughs) let's start over (laughs) 
<laughs> um, and so there is an inner lore universe guy, um, and it's one of Legendary's uh, executives. His name is <laughs> his name is Barnaby Leg, which is already crazy. <laughs> um. That's so we, a name that you just have to say the full name. Yeah, you can't time. call him Barnaby. You can't call him Leg. You got to say the full name. Um, uh, and so, so we finally have a name to this person who is like, I'm very confused what they're doing. What he does, <laughs> uh, like, I mean, and it, so, so, okay. <laughs> Like you mentioned, he got super nitpicky about the Wanderer thing. There was something in this that he got super. It was. It was like how how uh, the the whole reason they came up with Axis Mundi is like a separate thing from the Hollow Earth is because he was like, oh, uh, Hollow Earth's going to be in Godzilla uh, Godzilla Kong, and he was like, we don't want to confuse people too much, and he's like, just make it a separate thing, and they were like, I okay. Um, I guess I can kind of see some logic there because in Godzilla versus Kong, that's like a big deal when they're like in the hollow earth for the first time or whatever, but it's still like, you know, there's other ways around that. I feel like, um, but so I mean, just to revisit this guy. Oh, Oh God, Tom, I don't know if you know this or not, but, (laughs) um, so we talked about how the comics are even more like uh, fucked up from these. <laughs> Did you know that Lee Shaw is actually a character from Godzilla lore that predates this show? What? <laughs> so if you remember, you probably only read it once, like every sane person that had it. The Godzilla 2014 tie-in prequel comic, Godzilla Awakening is oh, yeah, where Lee awful. Shaw's you know Lee Shaw is in that. Oh god. And so here's who here's just a show I mean obviously it's less of a big deal when the comics don't quite tie into the movies. Um and th- they asked I think before the show even came out we we like were looking at an interview with the showrunners where they're like did you guys pay attention to the comics and stuff and they're like hey, no. Like, <laughs> but so Godzilla Awakening, I, I I copied and pasted basically his deal in that comic. So Lee Shaw's first appearance is in 2014's Godzilla Awakening comic, and so I'll just read you like his deal, like his role in that. Uh, in 1946, Lee and A.G. Subaraya, Subaraya, A.G. <laughs> Sarazawa, get it. Um, are the only survivors of the Shinomura ship attack. That's that creature in that comic that's like made up of a bunch of little creatures or whatever. Impressed, mm-hmm. Lee asks Eiji to work for the U.S. government, which Eiji accepts. In 1953, Lee meets with Eiji and his son Ishiro before they depart for Monarch, uh, Monarch headquarters. After Shinomura destroyed the Monarch headquarters, Lee allowed Eiji to go on a lone voyage to find Godzilla, the one creature powerful enough to end Shinomura's rampage. Lee was present in 1954 when, <laughs> when Douglas MacArthur <laughs> ordered that Godzilla and Shinomura be nuked <laughs> in an effort to kill them both. He and Eiji watched the detonation from a distance on a seafaring v- vessel together. 
And then in 1981, Lee approaches Ishiro Serizawa after Eiji's funeral with the intent of recruiting him for Monarch. Although Ishiro claims that he is prepared to join, Lee replies that he's not sure if anyone's ready for what's coming. So Lee Shaw recruited Serizawa in a completely now fucked up timeline of events. Oh, God. <laughs> um... In addition to that, we have some some nagging questions. What is Barnaby Leg doing? <laughs> I don't know. So, in addition to that, we have uh, continuity things that already made no sense in Godzilla: King of the Monsters. They go to the Hollow Earth where Godzilla is sleeping and throw a nuke at his face, and then in Godzilla versus Kong, they're like, well, "You're going to get crushed if you go down there," and we got to get in these special vehicles. Um, uh, then there's some more things I was just kind of brainstorming before we started recording in my that I have in my notes. In well, there's also like that in um, Skull Island, the Hollow Earth is portrayed as being like, and in King of the Monsters, like a series of tunnels that like exist, you know, like shortcuts basically, essentially throughout the Earth. <clears throat> Yeah, God, it's for Godzilla to zip around, which I guess he still that, does, but I don't know how it... And that they can prove its existence by, like, dropping those bombs and getting the seismic readings and everything. But in Godzilla Kong, Godzilla versus Kong and probably Godzilla Kong and definitely in Monarch, it's portrayed as, like, portals to, like, <laughs> another realm. They, got, they, they watch Pacific Rim with, like, uh, Barnaby Lag. we're going to do this. <laughs> that's specific he just he watched no what happened like, yeah, what happened cool. was the writers were like hey do you have any advice on how to like get this idea across and he looked around his office at legendary saw a pacific rim poster and was like <laughs> uh yeah that <laughs> portals like, open yeah. yeah like that's that's inconsistent and you know like, wasn't there a weird thing we just talked about wasn't there a weird thing where one of the comics like retroactively explained why Godzilla's beam looked weaker in the 2014 film than in the other one I think it's in the novelization or something like I stopped reading the comics if I'm being honest There's like a terrible. thing in one of the novelizations and or the comics and or just backstory that's like one of those like remember when remember when uh, Rise of Skywalker was like giving out plot points on Twitter yeah, because <laughs> they're not in the movie. So there's like a thing that says like the Muto's EMP blast. Yeah. Yeah. It affects his, with Godzilla's yeah. ability to charge his atomic blast. Then like another because, one I was thinking of is uh, at the beginning of skull Island, Randa says that hollow earth was, um, his, uh, assistance, like thesis, like it was his theory. Um, Corey oh, Hawkins' yeah. character. He's like, yeah, the, it's uh, my assistant, like, uh, his thesis, you know, it got turned down, and, you know, but, like, that's obviously not true, because he's, like, the person that, f he's the first person to figure out that. And, like, th this is easy stuff, around. like, you know, this isn't the kind of thing, I don't know if, just to give an idea for people that might not be as in tune, these aren't the kinds of things that, like, screenwriters are really responsible for. Like, they 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 write their their scripts. They turn them in, and then you know you ha and then when you you're working with a franchise, you have a guy like this who's going to be able to look through those and say, okay, you need to make sure that you Here's are the rules on this. You yeah, you, you need to make sure you're consistent. Like you know, th these guys turn in a script for this episode, and it shows Bill Randa like 
figuring this out, and they're like, well, try to find a way around that, because we already said in this movie that it was another guy's theory, and, you know, maybe just figure, find something out. And then maybe they could have something, you know, with the John Goodman flashback where it's mentioned or something. Like, the, the, what I'm trying to say is the the guys that do the, the, like, every franchise these days has guys like this, and they're usually there to make those kinds of, oh, hey, script looks good, but there's a couple things that don't quite jive with what was established in the last film. And, you know, the writers are just writers. They're working folks. They're just doing their job. And and these are the guys that are supposed to make sure this stuff makes sense from thing to thing. And I I don't know what is happening with like this is this is this is one of those things where the monster verse is like fumbling the one really unique thing that it could be doing because it's also it's setting the precedent verse. that you can't walk away with any from any of these things whether it's a something as small as a tie-in comic or something as big as a movie or something like a TV series you can't really walk away from any of it feeling like any of it is like you walk away feeling like any of it can be just retconned at any moment and like i don't know that's not really the way to do build a universe <laughs> yeah that, it's like the opposite of <laughs> of building a universe Somehow. It'd be like if any Elvis given returns. day you could wake up and find out, like, like honestly, it, it any given day you could wake up and find out, like, what if you woke up tomorrow and, you know, uh, and, like, Gerald Ford never became the president, and then you woke up on Tuesday and everything was back to normal, and, like, like just, it's madness. It's It's the <laughs> Wild West out here. And he also names the monsters, which explains, which I don't know that he does the best with it. That <laughs> it, it like ice aardvark. It, it's so because like okay, here's another here's another if if going into these portals dilates time. I guess this is one of those things where these portals. The way they work is just however they need to in the moment. Because if going into one of these portals dilates time such that it slows down, then how is Godzilla using them as shortcuts? Shouldn't he show up like two years later? Like you know when he's right when, when he's going to fight Ghidra in the uh, Antarctic, he should have showed up like two years later. Well, this is <laughs> stuff that someone with this job title should be there to handle <laughs> yes <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's there's no rules <laughs> like maybe maybe then, he's like the shirt brother guy in uh i think you should leave where yeah, he's like i just don't think there's any rules <laughs> he's yeah it's it really is though it's like it's crazy how you you know people will be like oh and that's that's where I think the the most film- frustrating thing is that he nitpicks this tiny shit. Say, <laughs> that's why filmmakers, through no fault of their own, like keep making this guy look even worse <laughs> um, because they will they will come out and be like yeah there's a guy that like reviews these scripts and like gives you input and 
on almost every single project that's <laughs> happened since the 2014 movie, there's been some little anecdote where one of the film, one of the filmmakers or writers or actors was like, yeah, we wanted to do this thing. And we were told we couldn't because it conflicted with something else. And everyone is like, Oh yeah, I guess, you know, I guess that did. Yeah. Okay. But then you're like, but what about the other five things in this movie that conflict with something way else? worse? And, and that's the, the thing people who are making the movie are like, Oh, I just wrote the script. Barnaby leg told me it was fine. <laughs> Yeah, I just like that we finally can have a name because this this conversation has been building up over the years for a while now. Like, <laughs> the the way I because I think fans have to have a misconception about like how much homework the filmmakers, writers, directors, actors do on any franchise when yeah. they're when they're hired. If I was hired. For example, and I'm not a writer, but but if I was if I was a writer and I was hired right now to write the next fast franchise movie, okay, I would probably jump at that because it's going to be a good paying job, and I would write a script that I wanted to see about fast driving cars and cars zipping around, and. I would leave it to someone else to be like, oh, yeah, you know, like that character's dead, like this one, uh, whatever. Like, right. I would leave that to that. That's somebody else's responsibility. <laughs> and then if, if it like because I know I know like enough about the Fast and Furious. Frame. I've not watched one in a while, but I know enough that I could write one. And that's why I think a lot of these people who are like brought on to like do a Godzilla thing are like, okay, yeah, like I, I saw those or like I half saw those and I kind of know what's going on and I have an idea that I would like to do. So yeah, I'll jump at the opportunity and oh, here they've given me this reference material that tells me like a strict timeline of events and they've told me a couple of the names of the characters that I need to use because this is like they wanted this to be maybe the Lee Shaw show or whatever, you know, whatever. So, okay, I'll write about this like military guy, Lee Shaw, and I'll write a whole book. Here's how he joins Monarch because, but like it's Barnaby Legg's job to be to go back to uh, Chris Black and be like, hey, listen, you have all this stuff about how he gets forcibly assigned to Monarch. Well, we already established that he volunteers to join when he first sees Godzilla. So you can't have him like be forcibly assigned that that conflicts with, with our pre-existing situation. He's just this guy. I want his job. I want to just sleep in my office all day long and have someone like drop a script on my desk. And then at the end of the day, they come to get it. And like, did you review that? And you like, Flip through it real quick, and you're like, oh, uh, you like redline one part, and you're like, yeah, I did. <laughs> and I feel, and with like naming the monsters, I feel like he's getting more and more complacent <laughs> as we go. Because, <laughs> like, okay, we need a, we have a giant evil orangutan that has, you know, a spinal column. Like that he wears, like is a is a around his around his uh, shoulder. What what do you call that? And he's like a scar. 
King. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, we have this like frost monster. What? Uh, I. Uh, oh yeah, I did go to Sea World with the family. Uh, Sham. <laughs> Shimu. Shimu. <laughs> And so there's actually I was talking about like the press <clears throat> rounds. I they did like this premiere event where I think they showed the first two episodes and they had uh the showrunners and the cast all on a stage and um they had each uh they had each uh each actor say like what's your favorite monster that we see and they got to Kurt Russell. This is like before the show even aired and he's like, "Yeah, there's one in uh the finale that's like this big bear or, or this big uh like pig thing and and one and one of the one of the showrunners goes this the, the bramble boar and kurt russell kind of like <laughs> you can see him kind of like chuckle and be like what and he goes what's it called <laughs> and they're like <laughs> and he's like you're thinking of the bramble boar he's like okay well that's my favorite one so we have that uh we've made fun of the 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 frost vark which is the ice mole thing uh, in Godzilla Kong, aren't there like wart dogs? Or yeah, something? yeah, that are like little dogs. Yeah, yeah, yep. And then uh, it's like it's like I think I wonder if like Barnaby Leg was was really trying and was really doing a good job. Like, and then King of the Monsters came along, and he was still trying, and he was like, "All right, like Behemoth." And they're all he, like, like biblical. He like did a bunch of research. Yeah. Like, oh, like what's this monster called? Oh, let me look up. Like, oh, Behemoth is like this biblical. Da, 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 this matches. Okay, okay, yeah, that that one will be Behemoth, and and here's its personality, and 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 then this one will be Skilla because because of this, and this one like and this one will be Methuselah, and he did like all this research, and then those things showed up for like two seconds each, and he was like, well, <laughs> I guess whatever, it doesn't not matter. Trying anymore. <laughs> Uh yeah, I'm looking at the list of the so um there's like Methuselah and Skilla and Behemoth and then it becomes like I don't know uh Frostvark and uh, yeah uh, Mantle Claw is the crab that is fighting the <laughs> is fighting the 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 spider on Skull Island which is the Mother Longlegs but that was that was the stab that that was. Yeah, that was already that, established. Um, the uh, the little um, bugs the, that, that like carry Keiko away in the flashback are the Endo Swarmers, and the big version of it that they find later is the Endopede. And then you got your Ion Dragon, which is the kind of Gauss-looking thing that sunk the the battleship or whatever that they talk the, about in Skull Island. The, and that what one does have a cool look like scene. Mitch McConnell in Godzilla vs. Kong. Those are the Hellhawks. Yeah. Uh, the Ion Dragon has a cool scene that's like a, a miniature horror movie, though, when they go into the that ship. Into the boat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a cool scene. Uh, but I don't know why. I don't know why it's like. I don't know. That's not the coolest name for it. Um, uh, so yeah, that, those I don't. Do you guys? I mean, I don't know. Do you have a favorite of any They've of these? They become like Mad Libs names, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, adjective noun or like adjective part of noun. Like, uh, <laughs> do you guys have a favorite of any of these things? Uh, Kurt Russell likes the bramble boar. I like uh, frozen aardvark thing. Yeah, I guess that and the dragon are probably the coolest ones and i don't know 
I feel like I don't know. I feel like the original monsters in these are getting like a little less. Inter- I, I don't know. The the two in the upcoming movie look kind of cool. Their sequences but... are just less memorable. Right. Is the thing. Like yeah. I don't really remember anything. Like it, it's funny because you mentioned that. Ion Dragon has that moment that's like the miniature horror movie. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. And that probably is its best moment. But then, like, its final moment when it fights Godzilla is like, <laughs> that's a, that's, that's like someone somewhere was like, hey, you got to have an action sequence because you got to, and like, they were like, all right, fine. We're gonna have an action sequence. This is gonna be the worst one you can imagine. Yeah, they were like, like, you know, you gotta have two monsters fight at some point. And they're like, uh, so, okay. <laughs> what I will say though is all the monster stuff, effects wise, looks pretty good. And I and I think, given that we said this is ten hours that has half the budget of like one of these two hour movies. I, they probably spent the money where it counted because, like, Godzilla looks the CG on Godzilla. It looks the same as it would look in the movie. It doesn't look cheaper, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Correct, and that is good. Um, yeah. So it doesn't uh, look any worse. <clears throat> so, um, would you? Uh, I mean, I, I think season two is, I think there's a fair shot at it. What would you guys want to see, and what would you hope, you know, I mean, if if they're listening to, like, I don't know, if for some reason they're listening to us, <laughs> you know, what would you what would you hope they learn, like, what are the kinks you, you think could realistically be ironed out next time, and what would you want from it? Uh, I think the problem is it's setting up to, you know, tie into Apex leading up to Mechagodzilla. And and I actually don't want to see that. Um, I would rather than, I kind of share what I, what I think would be the most interesting, which would be Keiko's adjustment to, you know, going from the fifties to the, the, the 20 teens or whatever, 2010s and having to work through all the different, like, man, I'm, younger than my, like seeing her son being old and her grand, like all those different things I think is actually pretty interesting. Her she goes on Twitter for the problem. first time and is like, Oh my God. <laughs> and she's like, wait yeah. a minute. I, I thought we defeated the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I, I think, uh, like Keiko and her adjustment back to life. The, the, the problem is I, we're going to get apex and I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I kind of don't care to see yeah. that story. I'm sure there's something that you could do that might be interesting. Apex. This, like, my my guess is because this the the kind of quote unquote the mystery of it was like, you know, the background of Monarch. I think the next season would probably be like, okay, here's how Apex happened. Um, right. And I don't know that what we think of that being is not too interesting. So it's like, yeah, they're gonna have to find a unique spin on it um but uh yeah i mean i i think they should leverage the goodwill they have in the writing of characters and um i think they need to combine that with the monster stuff better like 
the one moment that the monster stuff and the the human stuff really combines to make something meaningful is when they find out Godzilla's still alive and like Keiko is like you know like tears up and we need more of that um and less like oh here's your requisite uh you know uh oh the giant needle peed is has to chase the characters for 40 minutes or whatever whatever they're gonna you know it needs to yeah it it needs to feel like less of a afterthought um and i don't know i mean i know i know i know streaming companies are dicks but i mean there's nothing wrong with a six seven episode season of something like there's not i I canceled my apple tv free trial (laughs) during the recording of this podcast so I mean, they have some other good shows, but but yeah, the t- ten episodes man, is too much. It, it's too much. Yeah, that's it's it's too much. Yeah, it's too much, and, it, and it's probably stressful for the writers too. They're probably like, okay, the first time we plotted this out, we 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 know how we can cram the we can fit this into seven, but they want ten, so. All right, where can I was we stretch say, it? Out, that's you know? like that's where so many of the problems come in because that's like. I know we all say, "Oh, we would have like we'd have preferred to see them expand on how Randa and Keiko kind of had their like." But you can do that by reducing other things. <clears throat> but like, I don't know that that kind of comes up. That's almost more of an issue because of what they chose to spend time on instead. Right, and that really is yeah. they didn't want to spend time on some of that stuff. I bet you know, but they were told. Hey, you got to get to the ten episodes, and like, well, what if we do a whole episode where like Kentaro blows off an art opening to be with May because uh, that'll like fill some time and right. Uh, it, it it would be nice to have. I don't know. Maybe I'm kind of being that guy, but like the you do have an almost almost an Avengers kind of problem with with like no one mentions the Monarch characters that we already know who we know are still alive, like. I think Sarazawa's mentioned Sarazawa once. gets name dropped. Like, but but that once. part is awesome though because it's more like Shaw like making fun of him. Like he's like you like like that's something that I do like that the show does. Not only in like showing how this Godzilla showing up actually killed a bunch of people, but how like Shaw's like yeah, like the guy the solution you guys had to this was just let them fight. Like, do you realize how many people that killed and how irresponsible that was? Like, he basically is calling Sarazawa dumbass, <laughs> and I liked that. But like, yeah, like, where okay, are they? He does get name dropped one other time then because there's like a moment where Tim. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, lady. that guy's pretty cool, or I don't know. Where, well, Tim's talking to like the lady, and I can't remember her name. And she like won't help him out, and he's like, "Well, I'll just go to Doctor Sarazawa then and tell him what's going on." And she's like, "All right, fine." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't so go to my don't go to my boss. Yeah, know? like connecting it more to the monarch stuff that we already know, maybe. Um, but that's a bar- but like that's Barnaby Leg stuff. That's not on the writers, the showrunners. Like that's right. That's where there's tough because like. Part of me is part of me is glad that there's no like you know uh, Emma Russell or what's the other Russell the Mark Russell is no what's the what's Madison what's, is Madison the girl. yeah 
part of me is like glad that like they don't show up or like anything like yeah. that. But then part of me is also like, well, that's like this is the problem with the monster verse. It doesn't feel like a verse at all because <laughs> nobody shows up in anything else. Um, <laughs> well, they do. It's just they're not very uh, they're ineffectual. When, but when like, they do. but then the other part of me is like, well, it just makes it easier. Like, it does make it easier for me to just ignore. The entries that I don't like. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Chris, who's here with us in, in spirit, um, he, uh, like I said, he, he all, we almost had him. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, he was saying um, uh, to be here, which he couldn't, he, was, uh, he rewatched the first two episodes, and he was just saying some things that he picked up on, a re-wa- on rewatching those. And I feel like I should share those because we haven't but it's also useful observations um he says like uh uh he feels like there there's some stuff that's that was rewarding about rewatching those um he said uh the first episode keiko uh mentions shaw saying he wanted kids at some point which is a reference forward into episode five he says there's a lot of things that we we blew past first watch um, he complimented it as good time travel, time jump storytelling. He says, uh, um, we start with the last Monarch trio mission, so the dialogue is full of, lo- there's loaded dialogue. One about Shaw not being who you assume he is. Uh, the repeated theme of Shaw, Shaw going to Keiko's rescue when she doesn't need it, and every time it makes things worse, um, except for his sacrifice at the end, um, is the one time she actually needs his help. Um, and that's that's all he left me with. But those are interesting thoughts, and I'm I'm sure um, he would be able to get, share that some one's more. Interesting, right? Yeah, he tries to help her uh, in that. Like, what is that? Like the second episode where she gets presumably eaten by the yeah yeah Wonkapedes or whatever <laughs> the Wonkapedes yeah um, by the Oompa Loompas <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then also, you know, when he tries to go save her from, uh, luring out Godzilla or does he even know that it's Godzilla at that point? No, they just know that it's quote, like a big one, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, when he tries to go and make sure she doesn't get hurt there, uh, he like ruins Monarch. Um, so yeah, every time he tries to like stand up for her, he makes things worse. And then at the end, okay, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, um, it's funny. Just f- for like background stuff, I threw on an episode while we were recording, and it just—I uh, have it on a mute, just on the TV—and it just got to the part where uh, um, Tim tripped over the curb. <laughs> <laughs> What's good about that is it's not like a big like played for laughs moment. It's just like ah, uh, he, he just trips over a curb and keeps walking. Um, yeah, it's just like a little human moment. It's yeah, just. Um. That is this. I will say, like, uh, there's a couple moments like that in this throughout this show where there's like little humorous moments, and they work because they're not, you know, some butthole talking <laughs> about gonorrhea and uh, editing out genitals and stuff. Yeah, and I, like, I, yeah. I keep saying that's what I hate is like so many modern writers, especially in like Hollywood things, they mistake like jokes for a character having like a personality and it's like, no. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so I guess my, my last thing, well, I guess we already answered that. I was going to, 
Well, there's a caveat to that. We said, like, why are not non-kaiju fans watching this? We kind of got there with the whole Apple TV is just very good at doing their job. Um, but uh, it's interesting to see that um, if you look at, like, the... I, I hate I hate to bring up this site, just not because I hate it, but just because of the discord, how it's used by most people. But, like, if you look at the Rotten Tomatoes, like, critic score versus audience score, it's... It's not as it's not as lopsided as something like The Last Jedi, but it is way higher on the critics' end, like TV critics and stuff, than it is on the fan end. And you see that reflected in a lot of the the Godzilla fans, especially. What is it in the critical sense that you think is making people making critics more warm on this than? the like fan the fan well written it is it's it's well written and the critics who are watching this do not care about how well it fits into the universe uh how many monster fights there are how much time is devoted to godzilla's screen presence they're focusing on the things that critics focus on which is how the characters are written, whether they're believable, whether they feel real, whether the writing itself is good. And I think all of those things are actually quite good in this show, just from like an objective level. It's a, it's, it's, it's a sh- almost surprisingly well written and well constructed from a, from a story and, and writing pro, uh, point of view. It's and, and, where where it gets wonky is in like the pacing and things like that, and so I think that's probably where the critics who are not enjoying it are probably not enjoying it, or where some of its criticisms from the critical side are coming. But like, they don't care about Godzilla, and because their job is just to watch. I do know everything. that that critics were um, sent. I think over the course of two weeks, they were sent like the first five episodes and. The last five episodes, like all before, I think even the first episode aired, which is like a it sounds right, which is like a crazy display of confidence. It's also a display of under this the showrunners and everyone understanding that the back half of this show is much stronger than the front. Yeah, half. because if they're only yeah, if it, because if they can't review it as one thing, they're gonna be like what like what (laughs) yeah Yeah. um Um, but i think it is it's it's you know because if you're a critic and you're looking at this and you're like oh my god i'm gonna have to go watch some stupid godzilla show um and then you come (laughs) out being like and then you come out being like oh that was actually like well written with like real characters what what did i just watch What they should be, and I mean, I, I guess this is kind of a segue into our last sort of because that's been that's been a consistent complaint from the critical point of view on all the MonsterVerse movies is that the human stuff is bad. Yeah, and because that's where uh, the fandom has constantly been raging. Who cares if the human stuff's bad? I'm not here for the humans, anyways. Yeah, but like normal people are because right. they want. To like when you're 
when you're spending most of your time with the human characters, which is the case in any Godzilla movie, you want that time to be either well spent or fun spent. Well, well that's why and minus one has been as much of a, a I use this word in a good way, a virus, a box office virus. It's be, everyone's seeing it, and immediately they're like, you need to see this. And then someone's like, hey, Godzilla, what? And they're like, no, like, it's actually like a really good, good story. <laughs> Like, like I took my mom to see it and like, I, like my mom grew up putting up with me and this annoying franchise for, you know, over 30 years. And, um, I was just like, mom, I think you'd really like this one. Like she, she took me to the 98 movie and was like, what was that? Um, when 2014 came out, we watched it like at home and just, we were bored and I was like, yeah, here. And she was like, oh, well they got it more right than the 98 one. Even she knew that wasn't Godzilla. Like she saw the Raymond Burr Godzilla as a kid. And you know, other than that, she doesn't really have much interest. And so I was like, just trust me, we got to go see this movie. And she was like, like, glued to it and uh, and it, when we came out of the theater she was like that's the best movie i've seen in so long and the night before we had watched the holdovers past lives and the michael j fox documentary on new year's eve and she was she still said that's the best movie i've seen in a long time i even i'm like let's not get too crazy mom like let's <laughs> calm down um but but that's why minus minus one is proof that people want a human story out of these movies, and it's only the freaks that you know you see on you know the forums and stuff that are like, oh, I want just a Godzilla movie with no humans, and I'm gonna to invoke his name again, Barnaby Leg. I tr- I, I tr- tracked down in an interview he himself said. Uh, before King of the Monsters came out, he said, we've been very closely paying attention to the fandom online, and we know they weren't happy with the 2014 movie, and we plan on correcting, and that is going to be corrected in the next one. And then, it's like, I think they just log on to Toho Kingdom or whatever and think that that's what everyone wants, and it's like, like, the kids maybe, but like, you know, I, I'm already seeing this Godzilla vs. Kong as 10 minutes of just monster stuff with no human dialogue, no human presence, and it's like... It's an exhausting-sounding sentence to me, frankly. And it, it, I don't know, It's I guess my concern is, like, these movies are going into where, like, the Transformers movies are, and that, like, they're... We're gonna end up eating our own tail here and being back to where we were in the 90s trying to explain to people like hey this franchise is not all like Godzilla versus Megalon. You know, we're going to be like hey this franchise isn't all like this. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's more my fear, you know. Uh, you know, I have my fear which may become reality and then I have the monster verse <laughs> which is reality, you know. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, if they were smart, though, they would be, I mean, the, the Monarch, the show is like a foot in the door, and if they were smart, they would start branching off more outside of 
this is like a step forward into branching outside of Godzilla and they should keep that up. I mean, if 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 they really want to be another cinematic universe, they can grow this to where like you could get a monsterverse movie without Godzilla or King Kong in it and have plenty of monsters. And if you have enough goodwill, people will see it. And that is what Marvel proved after the first Avengers movie. And it's what no one has wanted to do since. They've wanted to, but they've done it all the wrong ways. And so that's kind of the crossroads we're at now is like if they continue after Godzilla, Godzilla Kong, um, are they going to tr- like I don't know. I I feel like they've they need to earn the goodwill that Marvel did, which they haven't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I mean, I don't know that that seems like the dream they have, but it's like they're just held they're their own worst enemy is how I feel about it. I don't know. How do you guys feel about how this could or should grow in the future? I don't see them branching out no, I mean no wrong, they're not they're they're barney Bill, the 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 sweet sweet toy revenue yeah they're <sighs> They're too content is, with is that. They've, they've done yeah. such a poor job. Like, this is where it gets so frustrating for me. And I don't want to get too deep into it. But I agree that they are keep... They want to... They, they want to have this be a franchise that can keep going even if slash inevitably they lose the rights to Godzilla or Kong or both. But they simultaneously are terrified to really, really lay down the seeds of allowing that to happen. And the ironically, in a way, the closest they've ever come to building any of their original monsters into being anything that people would ever want to see again, would remember at all, would care about to see in a future film is the Mutos. And that was before they really knew that they were going to be building a whole cinematic universe and that they would get the rights to Kong and that they would be doing these crossovers and that it would become this thing that it is now, which is where the, Movies exist to support the grander transmedia empire of the comics and the shows and the toys and the other merchandise and the probably at some point in the future games like the movies, the, the 2014 movie existed to be a movie that made money. The movies now exist to keep the brand relevant, to keep the shelves stocked with other merch. And the closest they've come to making anyone care about any of the original creations they've they've made was in that first movie. Yeah. But then Barnaby since- Bar- but then Barnaby Legs like Oh, it's normal to have a Muto bow to Godzilla as the king of the monsters because of this hierarchy, and it's like, you know, someone should have said like, "Hey, this sequence is fine, but there should not be a Muto here." That makes no sense, right? Because uh, 
you established previously that they are parasites. They are not that. <laughs> Godzilla. And yeah. Um, but so, yeah, it's like, I don't know. Where do you go from here? Where does this, a, a season two very obviously goes towards some sort of apex thing? More Kong, showing, more Kong stuff. Skull Island Kong centric stuff. Showing, I would imagine, I would very much envision, you know, season one filled in some questions that people may or may not have been asking. I'll say I probably wasn't, but I at least will say a lot of the answers they gave are pretty satisfying. Like, like how Monarch, it does the star Wars thing of filling in the, how did this get from this to this? Yeah. But in this case, at least I'm like, Oh, there's like, like, they're not like really, they're not overly referency, overly dumb answers. Um, and I was like, okay, I, I can, I can buy how Monarch, exists for season two all i all i ask is if they do that with skull island if you're gonna gonna, if they if they if they if they get into the skull island native genocide (laughs) please handle it as tastefully as you can They, they won't but please don't handle that like morons it's already kind of Barney Lag doesn't even know the natives exist on Skull Island. Let's <laughs> a, a, a season two of this will probably do a lot of Skull Island stuff. Yeah. Whether that's whether that's establishing how Skull Island kind of became the the society that it is with like the Ewes and everything, or even just flashing back and forth between um, some of the initial expeditions after the events of the Kong Skull Island movie. And if they wanted Um, to be a universe about it, they could also have some stuff that connects to the cartoon. I mean, I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff to do what they're doing. But I could see, I could see a season two. If, if they wanted to just like do the same thing again, um, you have a season two where you're flashing back and forth between expeditions to Skull Island, probably led by, uh, by Corey Hawkins and Miles, and then in the future you got Miles Dyson, <laughs> uh, and you show how the that one superstorm ended up taking over uh, Skull yeah. Island, and and yeah, you just have to handle the genocide of an indigenous group very carefully. So don't handle it like. You have with Godzilla and nukes. The the fact that it was, you know, uh, one line of dialogue and Godzilla versus Kong was already weird enough. <laughs> so that's that's what I could envision a season two being. I don't know that I'd be super stoked on that, but um, you know, monkey. I do like big monkey. Um. All right, so uh, um. Yeah, I mean, I guess we've we've kind of uh, uh, ripped this apart and put it back together. Uh, I guess we we can go ahead with uh, our scores. Um, I'll go first. Oh, really? What? I thought you would go in what I assume is going to be increasing order, and probably <laughs> start with Matt and end with yourself. Because I like your idea I... more. Okay, Matt, we'll we'll start with yours. Uh, what's a good scale for this? Uh, how many? Um, 
How many horny Russells? How many Barnaby legs? <laughs> how many horny Russells? How many how many Barnaby legs does this movie does this show stand on? There you go. <laughs> you know, I uh, I went from feeling just kind of like meh about it to being more annoyed by by like how long it was drawn out. So fair. I can't say that I enjoyed I enjoyed the show. Um, so I'm going to be a bit harsh, but I'm going to come in at a two. Um, Ooh, that's oof, quite harsh. Not even a, yeah, that's a little harsh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was toying between a two and a two and a half, but, uh, I don't know. I don't, I didn't really like it. I don't plan on rewatching it. I'm not excited for a, the potential of a season two. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of already made my, aired my grievances and, and, it's just a, it was a frustrating experience. So, okay. Tom, let's hear it. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, I'm wondering, like, it's kind of, I'll almost equate it to, in some ways, like Ultra 7. Mm. The highs of this show are some of the highest highs in the entirety of the MonsterVerse. They really are. I personally love that fifth episode. I think that's like, I would watch, like I said, I would watch an entire anthology series of that, of episodes like that, hour-long people reacting to monsters. I would watch that all day. Uh, and then there's, like, other things. There's, like, parts where the show gets really human and, you know, not just the tripping over the curb stuff, but Kate is a very real character, and so is Kentaro, and so is... Keiko and so is Lee and like they're they're they are human and their reactions to things are real and uh, there's some great character work and there's some of this stuff that's just like the, the the a lot of the emotional payoff even though I did instantly start to start thinking to myself like oh uh, yeah now she's gonna have to learn that her son is a huge piece of shit <laughs> it it's still it's still like in that moment has quite a hard hit mm-hmm. and it, and it works really well. And the, and the payoff feels real and it feels like it's there, but there's long stretches where you get none of that. And I don't ever want to say it becomes bad. And that's like, that's like kind of my thing with ultra seven. It's never really bad, but there are long stretches where it's just, kind of nothing and it's just kind of the same and that's this show there's just long stretches of the show where it's just kind of there and nothing is happening and there are some actively bad things and so i kind of wind out coming out at a low three because there is some stuff in here if you want to go look for it that's that's really great but the whole of it is not as good. And, uh, I would be reluctant to revisit it, but I maybe would eventually. Like it sounds like from what Chris was saying, it sounds like there might actually be some, some things, some merit to it. Yeah. I wouldn't do Um, it until like a season two is about to come out. I was just going to say that I wouldn't revisit really much of this until like a season two was going to come out. And then maybe I'd do like a, a couple episodes, skip like one three and, two and four. And, <laughs> yeah. We'll, like do like one, two, five, eight, nine, ten, something yeah. like that. Um, but, uh, 
so I'd be reluctant to revisit it. There's a lot of meh in here. So yeah, I'm like like a low three, but like a three out of five. All of your overall, honestly, for both of you, your blanket overall end of the day sentiments, even though the two of you have wildly different scores, and I'm going to have a different score from both of you, it sounds like we're all on variations of the same page. Um, And, you know, when we talk about why, it's different reasons and we each have our own nuances. Um, This is a three. However, I always, when, when I think there's something that, that's a certain principle that I appreciate, uh, I've done this on, with a bunch of movies on here too, I always kind of round up. And I'm going to do a 3.5 just because I think it's an interesting swing to even make a show like this to begin with. Um, especially with the state of the movies right now, which are all getting more and more action monster centric. And I like the very different shows, but the kind of nuts and bolts of the ultra seven comparison to me is valid where ultra seven has like my favorite ultra anythings. And there's like a good chunk of the show. That's that, but there's m- almost more of the show. That's like, eh, eh, but because of those all timers and ultra seven, I round it up. And so because the MonsterVerse is a franchise, not Godzilla is a franchise, the MonsterVerse specifically is a franchise, has left me so starved of all the things this show does well, that's why I'm rounding up. Because it's, it's, it's like, yeah, if you're starving and haven't eaten and you're stuck in the desert... Someone drops some like McDonald's. You're not going to be eating real food, but it's, it's going to taste like the best food you've ever eaten because you're like, I haven't had this in forever and I'm starving. And that's how all the great character work and dialogue from this show felt. It felt like I was, the movies had put me in the desert and. I'm getting something, and I haven't eaten, and I'm getting something that actually tastes good, even if the overall product is not the greatest food. So that's my reasoning to round up to a 3.5. Now, if we get to season two, and I have a lot of the same complaints, I'm going to be a little more... I'm going to be harsher if, if a season two can't make better use of the runtime if it can't um handle the monster stuff better i'm i'm uh, the season two i will be um i i i would if if i if i have the same takeaways from a season two as this one you know i'm i'm gonna rate lower but there was a certain there was an amount of refreshment to the things this does well in comparison to the rest of the monster verse that giving it a tiny edge um, and we'll see where we'll see where things go with the monster first in general. I mean, in in what uh, two, months, two months we're we're going to be back here having the same. What do you want to see from the next monster verse conversation? And and it could be completely different based on whatever the hell that movie is going to be like. So probably want to see it end. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, 
it, hey, if they were like, hey, we're done, I'd be, you know, we had an okay run. It's a, it's, it's trail mix, but there's enough here that like, let's, I don't know. There's conversations to have after that movie because I don't know, wh- I, I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling. Yeah, to I don't even, know where you go. Once you get to the second God. Godzilla Kong team up and the Toho monsters have proven to not be profitable. I don't know where you go with that. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> Uh yeah, and Godzilla getting a uh, hundred hundred ton weight loss. <laughs> like, yeah. No. Oh yeah, he's woke now too. Yeah. Peel off Whatever. his skin. That is horrifying. Like that. By horrifying. the way, that toy. Is, <laughs> that toy is the stuff of nightmares. Seen it, like there's a there's a toy that you can peel off the rubber skin. Do you see the commercial? The narration in the commercial was even weird. It's like, yeah, you peel the layers of his skin, and it's like. <laughs> What is going on? The best thing about those commercials is when the the little monkey throws the. <laughs> so yeah, we'll 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 be back in two months to figure out what where what the next piece of the puzzle should be. But all right, we're good. I I mean, uh, good conversation. A lot of the, I mean, this is a example of everyone kind of feeling overall the same, but there's just all different reasons for it. So, well, no, it's, yeah, it's, we all have a lot of the same kind of takes, but our takeaways. We all got there in different ways. It's kind of like we all see the, the, the same problems and the same positives, but our opinion is different. And that's like, I feel like that's kind of like good. Like that's kind of what you want. Right in a way, right? Like and and honest and honestly, I was I I probably would have stuck with a three, but the the human element of the finale was really good. Um, in the moment, the reunion works, and then you know when um, Keiko and Shaw see each other for the first time, it's just I mean it's just great human feeling acting, and it's like this is this is like actual like character stuff happening. So yeah. the three of us, I feel we all kind of objectively agree on the things that are qualitatively good or bad. Yeah. And it is just, it is just the extent, the quantity to which it, it bugs you or it's like, it's yeah, it's the, just, there's it's no the accounting for the take like, for how, for taste there. Like, it's just your taste. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is fine. I think like, that's great. I have way less of a problem with, with like someone completely agrees with you and then goes, yeah, but I just didn't like it. And you're like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, we've, we've, uh, gabbed enough. So, you know, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll, we'll see everyone next time. Adios. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.